Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. This is John Sullivan. It's Babs Ayagbusi. Michael Thompson talking. The phenomenal AJ Styles. Jay Rose. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Playoffs starting. Black Monday happened. The NFL and damn it, Luke, it's, it's time to be back on the air. I think. I don't think Luke is with us yet. I think Luke already walked away. <laughs> He's off to a great start uh, to the show. Uh, it's 2022 kicks off Sports Kids Radio, and uh, I have no calls, but that's okay. We got a lot of fun coming up. We have guests. Upon guests, as our number one is going to be the epitome of a coaching carousel interview session. Uh, we are going to be pumping these out quick, quick, quick. We got Broncos, we got Bears, we got Vikings, we got Giants, and we got Dolphins. I cannot wait to get this rolling. Just a couple minutes here, we'll be talking. As always, uh, representing that predominantly orange Bronco brand, Travis Waitman calling in here in just a few minutes. Also, Parker Hurley is going to be on talking about the Bears about 10-15. We'll be bringing in Jared Barsness, representing the Vikings, hometown hero, 10-25, 10-35. Danny Friedman talking about the Giants and Paul Pickett, our friend from the, the Finn Fanatics, the Dolphins, coming out at 10-45. Talk about the very, very strange uh, firing of their coach. Uh, so we'll be jumping into it in just a moment here. Luke, you back? Did you already leave me? I think I think my co-host has already dipped. He uh, he may have had an issue. Uh, I'm texting him right now. <laughs> uh, he was he was doing something here as we were getting all, all set up here. Uh, you know, a couple names that that I'm excited to hear. Hopefully for some of these teams, but it's just it, it was a it was a weird weird day. And then, then especially you know we, we got a couple more that came in after that we're not going to be really bringing anyone on to talk about, um, but we will get discussing them after we go here. But let's just uh, oh his mic has stopped working. <laughs> I will right, we'll let him figure that out. With that being said, let's just go. Let's, uh, let's jump right in. As always, Travis, you with us there? I'm with you. Hey, how are we doing, man? The NFL's hitting its peak. We, we're back on air. And what a great great way to start them, to have a man who's been giving us his great, great time and service for years. Now, Travis, for all our new listeners, why don't you really quick introduce yourself for everybody? Travis Wakeman from Predominantly Orange, covering the Denver Broncos. I'm excited. I'm excited to get rolling on this loop. Is your mic working now? Can you hear me now? Hey! <laughs> Glad we got there. Let's see. You just made the fashionable entrance, but that's okay. But, Travis, let's just get right into it. Uh, Vic Fangio, gone from the Denver Broncos. What's the scoop? Why, why the, the, the termination, if you will? He never had his team ready to go. I mean, I think I speak for – most of Broncos country when I can say that we were 
anticipating from about, you know, mid-season, hoping that that news would come. It was just painfully obvious that the guy was always in over his head, knew his defense for sure, but, you know, just never had his team ready to play and never never a complete game. The team doesn't score enough points, and when you don't score enough points, you don't win very many games. Vic Fangio was a defensive base coach. Do you think the Denver Broncos go in that way again with their new head coach with a defensive mindset, or do you think they look for someone to coach up uh, their QB of the future, whoever that is, and Jerry Judy and Javante Williams? It's it's hard to say because I'm not sure if you've seen their candidate list, but it seems like they're going to interview every guy that's ever been mentioned as a possible head coach. Um, I, personally, I hope they don't go defensive because you know the last two guys have been defensive Vance Joseph got a crack and he was terrible Vic Fangio came in he was probably even worse so I would like to see an offensive minded guy but you know Dan Quinn's at the top of their list so it's certainly possible that there's another defensive guy coming you know Fangio went 19 and 30 in his three season with Denver uh, had that weird second place finish uh, 2019 with seven wins you know, he could, couldn't get over the seven-win hump again this, you know, this season. I know you mentioned he was never prepared, but was was there anything that ever really set him up to have success? I mean, quarterback slot was always kind of a question. You know, he, good good pickup with Sertan. He, he did a lot, but was did he ever have the true weapons and, and enough power he needed to do anything? I mean, I guess you could say probably not. Um, the quarterback position has long been talked about being an issue in Denver. Um, I felt that, you know, announcing Teddy Bridgewater as your starter this year was a was a bad move. Um, I've spoke about that ad nauseum. Um, I think if you would have gone with Drew Locke from from the get go, you would have you would have at least had the respect of the fan base for giving that an opportunity. It always just seemed like the safe move. It always just seemed like the hopefully I get to keep my job move and <laughs> you know, it just, it's completely backfired on him. With the new coach coming and, in, and do you think, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Going back to when we talked, when I spoke to you guys before the draft, I think during that conversation, I talked repeatedly about how, how good of a pick Micah Parsons would be. <laughs> and a lot of my Broncos fans at that time did not agree with that, but it kind of would have worked out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could argue he might win Defensive Player of the Year over there, not just rookie. Absolutely. God, yeah, that was that was the one thing me and Luke and I always talked about. Like, man, Micah Parsons, if Denver could get him, that could be a nice stalwart to 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 anchor and and kind of you know be able to talk up and coach that D when he figured it out. Well, I think last time yeah. we talked uh, to you, we all just pretty much said whoever gets Micah Parsons, no matter where he goes, is going to get an instant <laughs> star. And they were, yeah, that was pretty accurate. So I yeah. guess what I'm trying to say is that he could have had the, the right pieces if he would have played his cards a little better. Yeah. Uh, with John Elway being the team's uh, GM and everything like that, um, do you think the new head coach, do you think they start Drew Locke next year, or is it the new coach going to get to pick his guy? Well, that's that's going to depend on so many variables. Right now, Locke is the only guy, only quarterback they've got under contract. So it would depend on how much confidence the incoming guy had on him. They've got the number nine overall pick in the draft. This is not the best year to go get a quarterback, but you never know. They might see somebody that's worth building around in that draft. 
And then there's always the idea of trading for a veteran like, you know, maybe trying to lure a guy like Russell Wilson or or Kirk Cousins, somebody like that over here. Hey, don't 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 curse my QB over here. You know, that's the one thing too. If if you guys fall in love with a you know a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett or you know one one of those types of players, Sam Howell, and they fall to nine with skipping on quarterbacks last year and the new court, the new coaches is in on it. Are you, are you game? Are you like, you know what? I trust this team. I trust Elway to, to power the coach to take one of these quarterbacks. Or is this one of those dear God, just stay away from all of these, these projected top 10 QBs that are coming out. Yeah, I would prefer that they do. Um, I've, I'm a Drew Locke guy. I kind of, I think we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's magnificent, but I do think he could get you by for this season. I would much rather see them go all out to try to get a top-name veteran rather than than take a guy high in the draft because looking at these quarterbacks in this class, I don't think any of them are first-rounders. They're going to be some that get picked in the first round, but you know, I don't think any of them are really a first-round pick. Curious, who's your favorite candidate for this job? Who do you want them to pick? Um, I, I'm kind of starting to lean toward Nathaniel Hackett, Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator, but that you know that comes with some questions too because it does seem like Matt Lafleur still calls all the plays down there, and he does have the benefit of having Aaron Rodgers, so he might be getting a little bit too much credit. But just listening to his interviews, listening to him talk, he seems to have a good head on his shoulders, seems to have a good vision. So keeping with an offensive theme, that's kind of how I'd like to see him go. You know, I, I know you mentioned trying to get a veteran hand in there to quarterback this team. If you were to get a guy like Hackett to come and take that job, do you think that goes in favor of maybe getting that quarterback he had from his former team as well? Well, I was going to get to that because Luke Getze, who's their quarterback's coach, is also on the candidates list. So, you know, you never know. You might be able to get him to come in as your O.C., and then who knows, maybe we'd get lucky and have that long-rumored Aaron Rodgers move actually happen, which we might be talking then. Because <laughs> I remember we we spoke briefly about that, too, and how, you know, Denver was always kind of tied to that. So you mentioning Hackett kind of really sparked that thought in my mind. Yeah, well, and, and we've talked about that with the fan base, you know, it, it's it's a thought that, you know, they're hoping that maybe George Payton's got something like that up his sleeve, but have to have a lot of cards fall your way, too. On that same line, you said earlier that Dan Quinn is the, you believe, is one of the top guys on their list. Could you Do you think you could see them trying to go out and get Matt Ryan with so many years with Dan Quinn down in Atlanta? Absolutely. That's, uh, that's another thought. Dan Quinn's the only candidate on their lengthy list that's a, that's got any head coaching experience and so that's why I think he he's got to be one of the favorites so yeah having the you know he went to a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan so that's something I think Broncos fans could possibly live with too is there any kind of long shot that you'd like to see this team try to bring in as the coach that that maybe no one has talked about or is is definitely kind of one of those, you know, 2% chance people, but if we could, it would be fantastic. Jim Harbaugh, um, I'd say that might not even be 2%, but um, I'd love that. Um, 
he's a guy that not really, you know, he, his name's out there in the NFL circle again. Uh, so is uh, Kellen Moore. He's a, he's a guy that's been mentioned, and he's on the list. But I'd say he's more of a, you know, he'd be more of a risk because he's young and and uh, he's still learning, you know, his his coordinator spot himself. But you may be able to catch the next Sean McVay with that hire too. Yeah, that that was one thing um, Luke had seen too was that uh, Minnesota, Denver, and Jacksonville were a rumored three-team choice for Harbaugh. So just interesting that you bring him up, too, that, you know, maybe it is something that could happen. And I think, I think if you get a guy like that, you let him take his quarterback, he at least has a, has a good grasp of it. And I would think that's the thing, too, is I know we kind of keep going circling back to this quarterback thing, but if you get that right offensive coach and with John Elway as your GM, who obviously is a legend at quarterback, I would think you'd have an opportunity to get some of these guys who would be willing to come over if they were to make a trade or, you know, you, you know where I'm kind of going with it. Like it just, it feels like such a good fit for a veteran quarterback who, who kind of wants to make that last hurrah kind of like Peyton Manning did when he, when he came in and went to two Super Bowls with the ice. Well, and you know, you say, you know, we keep circling back to the quarterback thing. We've been circling back to the quarterback <laughs> thing since Super Bowl 50. So this has got to be the year that they get this right. They, I don't know what, what route they're going to go, but we can't keep recycling these bad QBs. Yeah. Do you, yeah. And th- oh, sorry, Luke, go ahead. I was just going to say, do you do you think you guys have the the tools and the and the weapons to trade for maybe Deshaun Watson in the off season? Oh yeah. They it, well, I mean, it would depend on uh, what Houston's looking for there. You know, what is his value? Do they still have the kind of value they had for him last off season? Because it was rather high, if I remember right. He just missed the entire season, so what's his value at right now? I think either way, the Broncos would have, you know, enough firepower to make that trade. You know, they collected a couple extra picks this season by trading Vaughn Miller. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say they've got a good couple young pieces, too, if, if uh, the Texans were interested in doing that. But it's just going to depend on where they place his value at right now. So I, I, I'll put the put the million dollar question here as we wrap up. When when, when the hire is happening, who's who's your guy? Who's who's getting the job? If you had to, if you had to take a guess at one person, who gets the job? If I if you if you're making me answer that this minute, I'm going to say probably Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, hey, you know could could be could be worse. You've seen his track record. It's going to be interesting. It's just it's it's so wild with with some of these names that all came up at the exact same time, and it's 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 a fun crop this year with a lot of good stuff, and I think a lot of teams go in a lot of good ways. And I'm glad we got to pick your brain about it. Anything you want to plug before we let you go here on this rapid fire Thursday? No, just you know, check out predominantlyorange.com. You know, we cover the Broncos as well as anybody out there, so check us out over there. Heck yeah, Travis. You know, you know, we'll probably have you on three, four more times before the season starts. So, be uh, glad to talk to you again soon. Thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely, man. I'd love to be back. All right, so thanks, now. Uh, always, always a pleasure having uh, Travis Wakeman on. With that, we're gonna keep the speed rolling here, uh, Luke uh, Parker. Are you with us? Hey, yeah, guys. Parker, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself for all of our uh, fans. We usually have. Uh, Talked to Bill Zimmerman over the years, and uh, with with you jumping in, we're very excited to chat with you and uh, you know get to know you. 
Sure, yeah, and uh, like I kind of told you, I worked with Bill for a few years, and then back in kind of, I think it was 2019 or 2020, he kind of handed over the reins, and I've been writing about the Bears for BearGogglesOn.com since um, 2017, uh, basically the Mitch Trubisky draft. Uh, and basically, Ooh. the night they drafted Mitch Trubisky was the night I started writing about the Chicago Bears. So it's been a fun ride um, for my entire Bear Goggles-On <laughs> experience. But um, it seems like we're, we're – because now you're calling me uh, – that now we're in for a new regime and some new beginnings. And so hopefully things will really be turning. But, um, yeah, we had that great 2018 season, but really everything in between has been an up-and-down roller coaster. <laughs> You know, and, and I think that's a great way to, to, to kick it off. You know, it's a new regime, as you will, with somebody to chat with, and new regime as well. Matt Nagy out after four right. years, 34 and 31. What was the main main proprietor at getting him out of there, especially after drafting a quarterback that seemed like you were getting him as guy? Right, and I think the biggest issue is that between him and Ryan Pace, and, you know, the Bears are in a particular situation where their general manager got fired as well as Matt Nagy. They both kind of – in my opinion, it was just the desperation to where the Trubisky thing didn't work out. Ryan Pace was really solely responsible for Mitch Trubisky, and they were just so desperate for a quarterback that I don't think Fields was necessarily a perfect fit for Matt Nagy. I think Fields was just – the desperate quarterback that Ryan Pace needed to go up and get because he needed to try and keep his job, which ultimately didn't work out. But, and then, like I said, because Matt Nagy wasn't a fit for Justin Fields, they never stylistically got along. Uh, Andy Dalton is actually a better fit for Matt Nagy, which is why it seemed like a lot of people in the media said, you know, why is Dalton at some points, why are the receivers more productive with Andy Dalton than Justin Fields is a bad sign for Justin Fields. I think a lot of that was that, Dalton just fits the Nagy offense of the quick passing, get the ball out of your hands, read things quickly, whereas Fields is more of get him on the run, get him bootleg, let him throw the football deep down the field, not with the quick passing, quick accuracy that Dalton has. It's completely different stylistically. Fields and Nagy never necessarily meshed. Um, you could argue he didn't get the time, but I think Nagy was so hell-bent on starting Justin or, uh, Andy Dalton that you know he didn't buy himself the time either. He wasted a lot of training camp reps on Andy Dalton that he wasn't giving to Justin Fields. And then during the middle of the season, you have the receivers saying, we wish we had those training camp reps. So it was really the relationship between the quarterback and the head coach that ended up getting the head coach out of the door. Chicago isn't one of the most desirable locations with their, um, with their players right now, other than Justin Fields and a couple other weapons. However, I've read a couple of articles that suggest Brian Flores is the number one choice for the bears. Do you think he'll, if he wants the job, he'll take it with the talent that the team has? I think there's a chance. I know that um, a lot of people have been speculating that now that the Houston Texans got rid of uh, their head coaching situation and they have a lot of New England guys and Flores was a New England guy that they may have just got rid of their head coach because they were surprised that Flores moved on. I could see him being more interested, but one of the draws that the Bears do have besides the talent thing um, is that uh, like I said, because of the general manager, there's a chance that if you come in with a potential combination of, you know, I get to choose my general manager or the general manager is, you know, a buddy of mine and he chose me, then we can kind of come in together and we can start to build this talent together. And at that point, you start to get a long leash. And that's what I think the other big thing is that the owner typically, the, the structure in the Bears ownership is pretty awkward where the owner kind of 
he doesn't have anybody besides the general manager below him that the general manager will, will report to the owner. So he, the general manager gets a very long leash, and because of Justin Fields and because the general manager gets a long leash, there is an argument that if you get the right general manager, that the head coaching job could become you know, a very attractive job. So I would think that that and, and combination of Justin Fields um, would really be the two draws to that. Parker, who's your guy? Who do you want to see take over the reins as the head coach of the Bears? Um, I think you really have to go towards Justin Fields, you know, and really just think offensively here. So I think, you know, the two biggest names that stand out to me are Brian Dable and Byron Leftwich, um, mainly because, um, you know, By- uh, Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, you've seen him get to the AFC Championship. You see them in the playoffs again this season with a quarterback that, you know, two or three years ago, you saw a lot of people in the national media saying bust, inaccurate, can't throw, all of these things. And like I said, all, some, some of those narratives were coming around with Justin Fields saying, why is Dalton more accurate? Why can Dalton do the Nagy offense, you know, more competently? I think if you get a guy like Brian Dable who really runs, you know, an offense that would really fit not only towards Josh Allen, but towards a guy like Justin Fields where you could spread the field, get him on the move, and take shots down the football field. But then I look at Byron Leftwich and think, when you want to throw the football down the field, that's Bruce Arians. Um, Bruce Arians has coached uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Wentz, or uh, Carson Palmer, not Carson Wentz, uh, Andrew Luck, and then Tom Brady, and all of them just, you know, deep down the football field. Um, and that's basically what Byron Leftwich would bring. Byron Leftwich was in the quarterback room. He was the backup quarterback to Ben Roethlisberger with Bruce Arians, so they have a real long relationship. So I would really think that's a Bruce Arians protege. That's a deep down the football field thrower. But I think no matter what you have to do, you have to go offensively. So I've seen some other offensive candidates like uh, Doug Peterson, Nathaniel Hackett. Even those I would be really completely fine with. And like he said, uh, Brian Flores I think is obviously another good option but the issue with him is that he hasn't figured out the quarterback. Then you say, okay, he has the quarterback in terms of Justin Fields, so he doesn't have to figure it out in terms of the Chicago Bears. So I wouldn't hate that either. Do you do you think Chicago goes with an offensive-minded head coach or a defensive? That defense did pretty good this season. I think they ranked in like the top half of the league, if I remember correctly. It, it's the mm-hmm. offense that needs work. Do you think they focus on getting a coach that can help that young offensive core? I definitely agree that I think they should go offensive, but I have a fear in, in a, you know, a certain speculation that I think they're going to go defensive. Um, one of the things that I've at least noticed with the Chicago Bears is from uh, they went Lovey Smith, a defensive-minded coach, to Mark Tressman, an offensive-minded coach, right back to John Fox, a defensive-minded coach, right back to Matt Nagy, an offensive-minded coach. So, like I said, ownership makes a lot of these decisions, and it seems like they seem to go back and forth from you know offense, offense fails. Defense, defense fails. Offense, offense fails. So, and they've interviewed um, Leslie Frazier is another one. Uh, he's the Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator. Uh, he was a Chicago Bear during the 85 season. He has a lot of ties to the Chicago Bears. They seem to be very interested in him. So if I was saying who do I think it's going to be, I could potentially say Leslie Frazier. And I do think that there's a real chance that they're going to go defensive with their head coach. But um, I, and I, I actually have looked at it. They've interviewed um, nine head coaches so far, and five are uh, defensive and four are offensive. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they've gone both directions. But I do have that, that small like, fear in some ways more than, more than the thought that they're going to go defensive with their head coach. Man, Mark Tressman, I forgot about that one. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um, you know, 
it, as as it gets closer and closer, and they start dwindling things down, you got a quarterback ready to go. Where normally it's you know the guy wants his own quarterback. I don't think there's anybody that's going to come in that's going to have a problem with the quarterback they kind of have, kind of like the same thing with Jacksonville being so new. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as we kind of wrap up, you know, we've had a lot of names here. But if you had to gun to your head and make one pick, who's the guy that's coaching this team in 2022? Yeah, it is tough because especially um, with, that, with the general manager thing in flux, but I will say I'll narrow it down to two and then I'll narrow it down to one is that they've interviewed a lot of Buffalo Bills-related people, whether it be head coaches, general managers, things like that. So I do have an inkling that the, if the general manager comes from Buffalo, then he's going to hire one of his guys. So I'll narrow it down to – Brian Dable, the offensive guy, and Leslie Frazier, the defensive guy. So, um, like I kind of said, and I'll even split it down to, I would prefer Dable, but I think they're going to go as Leslie Frazier. So, hopefully that answers your question that, by the end, I do think it could be Leslie Frazier, the uh, the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. You know, and, and I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, if, I, I, I will say, you know, you mentioned the Jared Allen, or J- Jared Allen. Now I'm over here in Minnesota. <laughs> Another so, bear. So popping my head. <laughs> Were you uh, uh, reminiscing of when Leslie Frazier coached the Vikings? Yeah, right. We were we were good, and we didn't have a. Well, now we don't have to deal with that with our Latin. Anyway, I will save that for, <laughs> for the Vikings because they're next. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, but you know, the the last thing I got for you is you mentioned the Josh Allen comparison, and I think in a way Justin Fields has those similar traits. You mentioned the Buffalo connection. Is that almost too perfect to make happen, kind of combining the same era or the same mentality? Um, it's, it may be too perfect to make happen, but like you kind of said, when you have a special person like Justin Fields, and one thing that the Bears did was they did reach out to Bill Polian, who does have relationships with all of these people. So you hopefully, you know, Bill Polian has had some wild takes on TV and everything like that. But when you look at his relationships in the NFL, he has really strong relationships in the NFL. So there's at least a trust in it. And like I said, you know, maybe I would prefer an offensive coach. But if Leslie Frazier goes in that interview and has a strong plan for Justin Fields and has an offensive coordinator, you know, young and up and coming, you know, lined up, then I think there's, there is even a chance that, you know, Josh Allen was a prospect from Wyoming who struggled. You know, could Justin Fields, the number one prospect at Ohio State, you know, take what Josh Allen was and even potentially even be better? I'm excited. I, I think you guys have a lot of upside with Fields, and I'm, I'm excited to see him. We get to watch him a couple times a year. Parker, thanks for coming on, man. I can't wait to do this uh, more this year when we preview the draft and preview the team. I'll be reaching out 100% to chat with you. Uh, if you got anything you want to plug before we let you go, go ahead and plug it away. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, just BearGogglesOn.com, like I said, and at Parker Hurley, P-A-R-K-E-R-H-U-R-L-E-Y. And, yeah, definitely look forward to talking to you for drafting them. Awesome, man. Thanks again, Parker. We'll talk soon. Parker coming out here talking the Bears. But now that we get got that Bears filth off me, Luke, we got to go. We got to go to Jared. We got to talk to our hometown team. Jared, it was time, man. It was time to get rid of Zimmer, wasn't it? It was time. It was time. <laughs> I was I was over him, and I've been a big Zimmer guy for the longest time, but I was I was ready. I was ready for him to go. Oh, Jared, uh, real quick, why don't you reintroduce yourself for all of our listeners. Luke, I'll let you jump in next since I already had to come in and uh, do the sign. 
Sure. Uh, so my name is uh, Jared Barsness. Uh, I am an NFL writer, uh, formerly for Franchise Tag. Uh, that uh, website ended up going down for an unfortunate circumstance I'm not going to dive into. But um, And then uh, formerly did a uh, podcast and now kind of a free agent writer. haven't really sought anything out yet. Just finished up school. So, um yeah, and then uh, I, I'm on Twitter as well. So, all right. Were you surprised at all that the the Vikings didn't make the move to get rid of Zimmer during the season to give one of those coordinators a chance to maybe prove themselves for a future coaching job? Surprised? No, but I was disappointed. Um, so, like you know, with the Wills, they just they don't do that. They don't fire a coach in the middle of the season. Um, I think they've they've only done it once with uh, Tice, if I'm not mistaken, um, um, and so it was just it was it was not something that uh, I thought was going to happen. But it would be nice to be able to see. I was hoping that they'd uh, move up Andre Patterson uh, and let us see how he does as a head coach. He's been around for so long, um, has so much experience, <clears throat> and he's a genius with defensive linemen. He can make it seems like he can make anyone good. Uh, so I'd like to see him as both a play caller because we all know he wasn't calling the defensive plays. It was Mike Zimmer all year long. Um, so as a defensive play caller and uh, just like a leader because it seems like a lot of the players have a lot of respect for him. Um, and also, uh, I'm going to hate Clint Kubiak for a second because I don't like him very much. Uh, <laughs> so I really wish that they were <laughs> – I wish that they would have uh, fired him. Uh, like yeah. pretty early on in the season, I was ready for him to go. Um, I wanted to see, you know, someone like like a Keenan McCardell or someone uh, move up. Um, someone who's been so successful with wide receivers as a coach, and he was a pretty successful wide receiver himself in the league. Uh, so maybe to see him as a play caller when it got to the point where pretty clear that uh, Gary or uh, Clint Kubiak was not the answer for us. You, you know, I, I, when we spoke the last couple times, you know as well as everybody listening to the show, I am the biggest throwing roses at the feet of Kirk Cousins. I deflect all of you terrible Vikings fans who crap on him. I feel like he is fine. And, I, you know, it is what it is. Was there ever a point, and maybe it was just me that thought this, but when you'd watch some of these, well, I shouldn't say some of most of these close games, at some point, it just seemed like Kirk Cousins stopped listening to Zimmer and just started heaving the ball and doing whatever he was doing, you know, to try to win these games instead of this, here, let's just uh, dunk and dive here and there, like, like, you know, like we always do. And that, to me, kind of solidified that I thought he was going to be gone for sure. Am I crazy, or did, did you, did, is that a thing where some of these players just started doing their own thing because it wasn't working anymore? Well, I think uh, well with Kirk, it's kind of like I feel like that's something he could have definitely done more. But I definitely felt that in uh, certain games where, you know, we get even towards the end of the second half and you open up the playbook a little bit more. We all know that that's not a Zimmer thing. That's like the, he, he just doesn't do that. He's super conservative. He doesn't like to take any risks or try and score before the end of half. So stuff like that or even, yeah, towards the end of the game, when you're trailing, you need to score, and, you know, Zimmer's the, oh, you know, run, run, pass kind of guy, uh, and you see Kirk kind of opening up the playbook a little bit more and throwing it downfield, and it's something that I just, I don't get that we didn't do more regularly when you have a guy like Justin Jefferson, and you have Adam Thielen, 
And you have K.J. Osborne, who burst in this year and had a great year for uh, wide receiver three. So, um, yeah, definitely something that it was It was nice to see uh, Kirk kind of, quote-unquote, rebel a little bit more <laughs> uh, than he has in the past. Uh, and to not have, like, a scary, scary, uh, intimidating, not not very um, – just, like, someone who seems to need everything to be – it's, like, his way or the highway kind of thing with Mike Zimmer where – you never saw any offensive coordinator kind of stray away from his whole uh, focus on the run kind of thing. So you got to think that that was him getting his hands into the offense a little bit as well. So it was nice to see uh, him kind of move away from that more. You know what that was, Luke? That, 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 was, Kirk Cousins, that was Kirk Cousins doing this. You like that? You like that? You like that? That? <laughs> <laughs> that was what that was, baby. <laughs> Do you think that's what he yelled at Zimmer when he came off the field that one game and yelled at him? You like that? <laughs> what? It's like Zimmer. It's like third and sixteen, and he's calling like a draw, like a screen, and you could tell Cousins is just staring at him. Then Cousins yeah. just shakes his head, heaves it to Justin Jefferson, they score, and he just goes out of the sideline, and he is just hot. I'm like, thank you, man. God. Yeah. I'm standing uh, up, man. I'm, I'm, I need to, I'm getting hot already. You need to pace around. And I'm, <laughs> anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I'm a huge Cousins guy, too. So I, um, I know. I hope they decide not to trade him. I hope they can work out a restructure where his salary is It would be nice. Less. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, um, I mean, it's, it's, it is, it's hard to say let's keep him this year and let him walk next year. Um, I think the two options are you either need to trade him and get high value, which I would rather not happen. Um, and by high value, I mean at least one first-round pick and then probably uh, one or two mid-round picks as well. Um, like you look at like Carson Wentz or Matthew Stafford, you get two first-round picks for Matthew Stafford. Are you kidding me? Like if you can get two first round picks for Matthew Stafford, I think you should be able to get two first round picks for Kirk Cousins. But my preferred uh, route would be an extension uh, <clears throat> where hopefully the um, they're able to kind of get him to come down in the salary, which, I mean, if he doesn't want to, I, you can't, you can't really knock the guy. He's got the talent to be paid highly. Um, but if there's some way that they can bring that cap number down, because 45 is way too much this year. Agreed. Uh, me and Ryan's top candidate for this position is our boy Matt Campbell for Ohio, yeah! Iowa State. But what are your Matt thoughts Campbell. on him? <laughs> As a head coach? As the head coach. I Okay, so I'm always super wary of uh, college coaches coming to the NFL. It's always a risk. You know, you get someone like Chip Kelly or Matt Rule is struggling down there in Carolina right now, but then you can get someone like Cliff Pinkberry who comes in and is doing a great job. So it's Matt Campbell is definitely a good head coach. He's turned that uh, Iowa State program around, and uh, they're doing really well. But for me personally, that that's not where I would go. What What is your – I guess my last question I got for you here is, what do you want? Who is your desired head coach for this team next year? All right. So I have uh, a couple of guys that I've kind of uh, been thinking about. So Doug Peterson and 
before any comments, because I know that there's a lot of people who are against this. I've talked myself into this over the past few days. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, because I was a, a week ago, I was like, Doug Peterson, absolutely not. But um, you think about it, and these are, uh, I'm not going to take credit for these thoughts. I saw these uh, from other people on Twitter, but he takes a guy like Carson Wentz and makes him into an MVP. He will he will have been MVP that year, you know, um, and makes him into an MVP caliber quarterback. Uh, wins a Super Bowl against Bill Belichick with Nick Foles as his quarterback. Threw up, what, 43 points that game? Um, and then he got fired last year, and it came after he played Jalen Hurts over uh, Carson Wentz. And now look who's in the playoffs the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, who is having a great year. So that's uh, that'd be one of my guys. And then another guy that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about, I know a lot of people are kind of hesitant on the whole defensive-minded guy and everything, but <clears throat> I like the idea of Todd Bowles because you have him from the New York Jets doing, you know, he, he was with the Jets and he did all right. They went to the playoffs with uh, Todd Bowles as their head coach. And they had a good defense while he was there. Um, and then you see him now with Tampa Bay, and their defense is ridiculous right now. And their uh, front seven is one of the best in the league. And they've got that depleted secondary now, but they're still doing really well. So uh, it seems like someone who uh, players like to play for, and they will play for. Um, and then staying in Tampa Bay, Byron Left, which would be another guy coming uh, from under – Bruce Arians and having success granted he's probably not calling the plays and everything but um having that NFL experience and uh being from uh the Bruce Arians coaching tree and learning from uh a pretty like an offensive genius in Bruce Arians it's going to be interesting I'm, I'm really excited it's the hometown team it's going to be going to be an interesting couple months uh Jared you know plug anything you got before we let you go man um, yeah, you could follow me on Twitter at uh, Jared Bars NFL. It's J A R E D B A R S and then NFL. And that's Thank it you. for me. You know we'll be talking again soon. Drafts coming up here in a little bit, so we're gonna, we'll be we'll be doing another on a chat, man. Thanks for coming out with us late night talking to uh, great Vikings, and we'll talk again soon, sir. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Danny. We're moving right into it, man. Uh, New York Giants got rid of your uh, your cocky coaches, some call them. Was it time, or do you just do you agree? Was it time to get rid of them? You guys hear me? Yep, yep. And, and real quick, I apologize. I jumped right into that out of nowhere. Please yeah, introduce good. yourself for all of our new listeners, man. I was rude to me. Nah, you're good. Hi guys, uh, thanks for having me on again. I'm Danny Friedman, um, writer for G-Man HQ, cover the Giants there. Um, so you asked me about what I thought about coach judge and, uh, I kind of think that it had reached an untenable point where things had gotten so ugly inside the the building, but also it had started showing to the national eye and we were getting crushed in the media locally, nationally from players, current players, former players. So, um, I think that spoke volumes and, uh, Ultimately, they decided for a clean start, which I think was the best decision. Well, what do you think took so long? I know, I know it's only been a week since the end of the season, but 
the Giants really weren't in the picture at all this season at all. I mean, like the Vikings fired their whole head coach pretty quick. Um, Denver fired their coach pretty quick. It, it just seemed like the Giants kind of waited around a week to do it. Was there any reason for that? Well, I think the main reason is that uh, I think John Mara, the Giants owner, definitely did not want to fire Joe Judge. I think he ultimately wanted to get through all of this crap, if you will, and I think he really wanted to make it work. But um, there was also some reports that indicated that and that the other co-owner, uh, Steve uh, Steve Tisch, was the one who pushed Romero to be fired and to have a full reset with the GM and head coach. I do believe that the main reason was that they wanted to make it work, and I think they had wanted to explore their options with different GMs, but it, it became pretty clear quickly that these GMs wanted to choose their their own head coach, and I mean, I think that's partially parlayed with that kind of speaks volumes what they think about the current coach, which was Judge, that they didn't really seem that interested in working with him. So ultimately, to get the best candidate in the GM in the GM room, they wanted him to pick his own guy, and I think that's something they didn't know going in, but uh, they tried to make it work, and ultimately, it just wasn't going to work out. With bringing in a new coach to this team now, it makes me question what happens with the quarterback situation. Is this something where they try to find a quarterback or a coach who can who can do the job with the current quarterback, or is it, you know, he, he had his time, it didn't work, we're going to get our own guy with – or a new guy, and he's going to get himself his own quarterback? I think that's going to be one of the biggest pressing questions that the uh, team owners should be asking the new GM in their interviews. And uh, I, I do believe the big thing going into it is now – Daniel Jones has played three seasons. He's been hurting all three seasons. He's had three losing seasons record-wise as a quarterback, and the Giants have struggled mightily the last two years offensively. Now, he's had some really bad talent surrounding him, other bad injury luck, and one of the worst lines in football. Um, But ultimately, I do think that he's going into his fourth year. The team needs to decide whether to pick up his fifth-year option going his fifth-year option for 2023 by May in a few months. So I do believe they should not pick up the fifth-year option. I think they should look to stay with Jones and avoid drafting a quarterback. Now, if a veteran quarterback comes up and is available, that's a different conversation. I do think they should not get in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, and I highly doubt they're going to get in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. But just throwing a name out there, if a Derek Carr became available or a Someone like that, I could see them targeting someone like that. But um, I do think Daniel Jones will be the Giants quarterback next year. But I I will say my last thought is that, as I said, he hasn't been the most impressive quarterback in three years. The new GM is a totally new perspective on him. He didn't draft him. He hasn't built a team around him. So he's going to have a new opinion on him. And it is possible that Jones did play his last snap against the Eagles in week 11 this season. So since uh, you guys let go of Tom Coughlin in 2015, it seems like you guys have a new head coach every one to two years. Is this the year that the front office gets it right? And if so, who's who's that guy? Who's the guy do you think that they're going to bring in to, to lead this team, hopefully to the playoffs or, or at least to a winning season? Yeah, I mean, they've had three different coaches in the six years since Coach Coughlin left, and they've all lasted two years. Uh, coach McAdoo, Coach Shermer, and Coach Judge now. Um, I do think that they have to get this one right. It's been too long. It's the, one of the proud franchises of the NFL has fallen into the basement 
Um, I do think that Brian Daybull from the Buffalo Bills, their offensive coordinator, would be a terrific selection. The team interviewed uh, the Bills assistant GM, Joe Schoen, yesterday. I think he'd be a top-notch candidate with them, too, as a pairing. Um, I think Daybull would be a very innovative, offensive-minded coach who could lead us into the future, hopefully help develop uh, Daniel Jones, refine Saquon Barkley's talent, and then just hopefully fix all the messes that stem the Giants' offense. Who's the guy you want? I, I got That's kind of kind of my last thing I got about it is I'm really intrigued who you think is the right choice for this team because it's such a you know you mentioned all the injuries and Barkley not being Barkley and just it's a franchise that's in a really weird spot and you you really right. need that right piece and and I think that's what intrigues me the most about it. Who's that guy that can do it? If you're if you're the ownership, you're you're up top. Who are you putting behind that clipboard week one? I personally would put Brian Dable. I, I tossed his name out there because uh, to start off, the Giants are letting the GM select a new head coach. Um, so that's going to be something that we're going to have to wait on the head coach candidates to see first who the GM candidate's going to be. I think Schoen would be a great option. He's got a lot of experience working the draft and the free agency. He's helped put together and fix one of the NFL's worst franchises in the 2000s. That was the Bills. And, He's really turned them into one of the best uh, teams the last couple of years. They have three straight seasons with 10 or more wins. And then I think, as I said, Brian Dable would be a terrific head coach. Um, I don't think he would be the head coach unless Schoen comes as the GM. But, however, I think Dable is a terrific selection. He's got excellent play calling. He uses a lot of deception and pre-snap motion. He's a really good play caller in third and fourth downs and in the red zone. Three of the top things the Giants have struggled with are over five years now. So I think Dable would be my number one choice. Um, I think long shots could be in Eric Benimi, who Giants players have reported to have been interested in. Brian Flores, who there's been talks and mutual interest from both sides. I think Flores would be an interesting name. He's a New York guy. But um, personally, as high on him as other people may be. But uh, I think that would be a name to watch. But my number one is Brian Dable. I just got one more question for you here quick. Um, yeah. You guys have brought in some offensive talent in the last couple of years to kind of try to help uh, Daniel Jones with Kenny Galladay, Golden Tate. You guys drafted Kadarius Toney in the first round last year. Um, Sterling Shepard showed promise before the injuries, Saquon Barkley. This new GM and head coach, is it is it rebuild the time? I know we mentioned before that you think that they should find a new quarterback, but is it is it time to trade the assets and try to try to let this new regime get the players they want to try to win? Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely are going to need to reload, reset, rebuild, whatever word you kind of want to use. But um, I think the Giants are – I mean, they're kind of in a tough position right now where they're they're balancing being one of the league's worst teams roster-wise and record-wise, but they're unfortunately one of the worst financial positions in the league. They have very little cap space to work with. So the other side to that, though, is they have a lot of draft capital this year. They have two first-round picks a second-round pick in the top five of the second round, a third-round pick, and two fourth-round picks. There's a lot of moving pieces there that can kind of trade and work the board. Um, I think they're going to have two top ten picks. So that alone is a really strong start. But, yeah, I do think there's going to have to be a reset of the culture and reset of players. A lot of guys that were specifically brought in from Patriot ties and Panther ties from Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman 
might be released and are going to go in the coming weeks and months. Um, and so they're going to bring in their new own guys, their new coaches, guys they're familiar with, they want to work with. So I do expect some type of rebuild in New York. Anyway, thanks so much for coming out here. As, as I've been saying, everyone, we're we're getting to that time. We got postseason, we got draft, we got team previews. Uh, we'll, we'll be reaching out to have some more conversations this year. Thanks again for swinging on with us tonight. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. As always, man, it's always a pleasure. That being said, going to close it out. The one and only Paul Pinkett Jr. coming on, talking to us, longtime Ben Sportscast. Paul, what in the hell just happened here with the Dolphins? Good Lord, it's been a week, huh? I thought we were going <laughs> to ease into this offseason a little bit, but we came out guns blazing, didn't we? My God, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, wait a minute, he... I'm talking to Luke, and I'm like, man, Flores did a really good job with that Dolphins. Eight and one to close out. Wow. And then he's fired. Yeah, it's, it, it's comical, though, too, because these national media pundits that pay – you and I both know, and a lot of the fans listening right now know, a lot of these national media pundits don't have the time to pay full attention to every game. So we went from two weeks ago, or even right after the Dolphins beat the Patriots when they kind of just – stumbled all over their tongues trying to talk about it where Miami hadn't beaten anybody. Those wins don't count because they're not anybody. Blah, 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 blah. To, Oh my God, Brian Flores won seven of his last eight games. And it's like, wait, did did we not beat anybody or did Flores just go out and just beat the Rams week in and week out? I'm, I'm confused by this, (laughs) you know, but I mean, to put it real, like, this wasn't a firing about wins and losses. Um, This was a firing about can you play well in the pool with everybody else? Like, Tua, the absolute nicest guy on the planet, the most genuine guy on the planet, like, this this man is nicer than Forrest Gump. (laughs) You've got him exploding all over you, like, by the end of the year, like, Chris Greer, one of the nicest GMs that Flores wanted more power by all reports. And he already had that because Chris Chris Greer was basically turning around saying like, all right, you want what? Let me make that happen for you. And whether Flores was his boss or not, Greer was basically making the moves that Flores wanted. And some of the moves were – were downright petulant, but the usage of Mike Gesicki was almost criminal this year. It was like Gesicki's sitting there in a contract year, and the guy's got a catch radius bigger than King Kong, and you only throw to him when like it's like ah crap, it's third down. <sighs> Fine, throw it to Mike. You know, like what? He wasn't even on the field at the end of the New England game. Um. And then, you know, you had Jermaine Illuminor in camp for an offensive line that was struggling. And you went, nope, can't use that guy. You had Matt Skurra in camp, who I wasn't super high on. You went, nope, can't use that guy. Those two were good enough that they left the Dolphins camp, hopped on a plane, and basically their agent said, yeah, you're heading this way, and flew to the Raiders and I think it was the Giants or the Bears. I can't remember off the top of my head for Skurra. I apologize. Flew, flew there and immediately claimed the starting job at their first practice, like, and didn't let it go. And yet Miami was struggling along the offensive front. Like, 
you had Duke Johnson on your practice squad for what five six weeks before you promoted him to the active roster. Could you not see him practice? That the man was making it work. Like you know, comes out, drops two hundred yard games in the last four, and you just kind of go, oh yeah, about that. Well, you know, like. And you can't tell me he wasn't putting in the effort every practice. The guy made himself the running back of the Dolphins on Madden from the time he was eight years old. Like, <laughs> like you, and you, you couldn't, you know, you want to look at those last eight games. Look at the first eight. The yeah. Dolphins last year ran that psycho amoeba cover zero defense. And we're taking the league by storm with it. And they basically improved personnel this year got guys to run that defense, and they came out the first eight weeks of the season, or first eight games of the season, went, no, mm-mm, not doing it. Nope. Nope. We're going to run a defense that's about as exciting as the Chargers defense was in 2020. And <laughs> suddenly, when they flipped the defense around, like, go back to that cover zero look and a shade of that, that psycho defense. They're one of the top units in the league on the back stretch. They come out and embarrass the Baltimore Ravens to the point the Ravens went from – the Ravens were pretty damn good their first eight games, no? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, and then Miami dismantled them so bad that they just looked like a reeling, punch-drunk version of the Ravens the rest of the season. Like, yeah, because before and then that Dolphins it worked team, from there. they were – we were six and two going into that Dolphins game. They had that OT win against the Vikings right before it. They got beat by the Bengals, but they blew out the Chargers. I mean, they they, they beat Kansas City. Yeah, I mean they were they were they were doing well. And if I remember, yeah. was, was that the Huntley game, or was that later? The Huntley the game when when he came in for Lamar Jackson and went crazy. No, that was later in the season. No, 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 no. There was no go. There was no going crazy in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I remember because it was like a Thursday game or something. It was, it was like a different day. I remember it. It was a Thursday night game, and it was literally like against the Dolphins. I think the Ravens have like three Thursday night games this year because they're the Ravens. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you hear the jealousy in my voice as a yeah. Dolphins fan that has to pay for Sunday ticket to watch my team, but you know. <laughs> We get that one token Monday night game, but come on, let's let's, let's you know. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, yeah the the. <laughs> you obviously didn't get the Texans game, I'm sure. And you know what? I'll say this to be fair with your points, um, of going with those last games. I mean, they did have six of their last nine at home, which is astounding to see. Oh no, that that that's definitely helpful, especially having that pass game at home to end the year. Thanks, schedule guys. But, you know, like, you look back and and there are numerous things that, like, you could see in training camp. Jason Sanders, the kicker, right? The guy was money year, like, his whole career thus far. He was one of the most – he was an all-pro last season. You got him a new holder because you changed punters, and which I didn't disagree with changing punters. But suddenly the guy has problems kicking field goals. In three games this season, Miami lost by three points or less, and he had missed a field goal in those games at least. Like, you start looking at some of the and, – and nobody – and they just came out and said, oh, no, it's not a holder issue. I just, I just think he's got the yips. And, and, like, that's your coaching analysis? You think he's got the yips? Meanwhile, you can you, a fan broke it down where they showed actual video footage and, and, and imagery – 
of Matt Hawk holding the ball versus Mike Pilardi. And you could see Pilardi's pulling his hands out early on, on occasion. And, and you can't identify that as a coach. And meanwhile, we've had four offensive coordinators in three years. Not, I, I think that might be a record. Like, <laughs> it's not ideal. We, we just got to talk it, about the Giants it, changing coaches every other year. Like that's that many coordinators is not ideal. But the Giants changing coaches that way is is for the most part by you know removing a head coach and putting a new one in. This is just flow going like all y'all suck, get out. <laughs> nope, all y'all suck too, get out. And then he puts two offensive coordinators in this year, and guess what? Neither of them were calling plays. Like, are you, are you serious? It just felt like everything was conservative until you had no other choice. And that's frustrating for me. And I like Flo, and I think he's a guy that could have gotten there. One of the things I had thought about was trying to see if they could do what they tried to do initially with Flo and get Jim Caldwell to come in and be an advisor this year. Like, initially, Caldwell was supposed to be an advisor to Flo. Caldwell had some medical issues and had to bow out and, you know, basically just disappear for two years and is now back on the coaching carousel uh, by rumor only thus far, from what I understand. But, you know, it, it's it's very much a situation where I thought it was going to be, all right, get an advisor, but it sounds more like Flo walked around the building like Tony Sperano after Jeff Ireland and Steve Ross went to interview Jim Harbaugh while he was still the coach in the middle of the season. And you you just can't do that. Like, Tua's big thing when he went off on him wasn't even about himself. It was you can't treat people the way you're treating people. And if you were a flow favorite, you were going to be out there. Like, good Lord, it was criminal that Jesse Davis started every game right up until the last one. Um, you know, Robert Hunt did great at right guard. But he was lights out at right tackle last year with Solomon Kinley playing next to him at right guard and Jesse Davis was better at guard, and suddenly you have the bright idea to swap Jesse Davis to right tackle, yank Kinley out of the lineup, and put Hunt at right guard, and go, yeah, this this is cool. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it makes no sense. And actually, I talked to – sorry, one last God. thing before I, I, I shut up because I've been babbling no, no, since no, I came no, on the air. But – I actually talked to Richmond Webb about this in the middle of the season um, on another show. And I asked him, because, you know, I coach little guys and this and that. We've never had a blocking scheme at the youth level where you just forget that a defensive end exists. Um, and, and this is poignant because, like, even if you let him by, either A, it's because by design because it's a screen, B, you've got a guard coming to murder that fool, or C, you're going to try to pick up a DN with the running back, right? Like, those are, those are the three main scenarios. You're letting them by for a reason or what have you. Like, but somehow he's accounted for whether it's you're trying to draw him in or you're just basically trapping the guy with somebody. And the Dolphins went up against the, the Buffalo Bills in week two after beating the Patriots, and – I've never seen a defensive scheme that just goes, ah, that big guy, Epineza, he's cool. Let him in. <laughs> like, like you're a bouncer at a club. Like, no one even tried to slap him. It was like he had that invisibility cloak Aaron Donald wears 
in that tire commercial. Like, <laughs> he just came through, and he lit Tua up in, like, what was it, 1.74 seconds? Like, with a full head of steam from his blind side? Like, who – I wanted the heads to roll then because what blocking scheme accounts for that? Like, like there were so many little coaching missteps. And the worst is any one of those coaching missteps I just outlined or mm-hmm. went on a rant for 15 minutes about, any one of those being different this year, and we're having a conversation about the Dolphins in the playoffs. We're not mm-hmm. talking about Coach being fired on Black Monday because he's got a game to prep for this coming week. Yeah. Well, Hi, well, since you're coaching, hello. hello. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing you don't well, have anybody after me. I'll tell you that much. I, I, I almost, I almost feel like we need to play there. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in with that one. That was, that was well, well, since Brian, I came out swinging it. tonight. Sorry, guys. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, you, you, you know, I, I, I had messaged Luke, not to cut you off here. I had messaged. Uh, Danny Freeman, who came on right before you for the Giants, and we were talking Vikings. And I sent a, I sent a message. I apologize. Uh, we're going a couple minutes over because I'm hot. And I was standing up in my – standing up here, microphone almost knocked over, and I'm just hot thinking about how stupid some of the things they do. And you get, you get passionate about your team, and you're in there. And, and you know, in our – everybody can be an armchair quarterback. You know, everybody can be an armchair coach. That's what we're doing. But yep. when it's something that's so basic – and they can't figure it out. It's just asininely idiotic how how frustrating it is. You know, when, yeah. When when, it's, when when Mike Zimmer's calling, you know, little two yard slants on third and twenty, to the point Kirk Cousins stares them down and then just throws a long ball for a touchdown to Justin Jefferson and then comes off the field and screams at the coach. The quarterback shouldn't have to do that. Like I understand he's given the power to it, but don't. Why are you calling this shit day in and day out? That's oh, dude, you want to talk about shouldn't have to do that? (laughs) So after the Tennessee game, like our post game show, I was talking about. I'm like, dude, they came out. They had no game plan for the fact that there was predicted rain and 30 degree weather. Like, like they they had no game plan for that. They literally just went, we're going to come out and we're going to throw a whole bunch of short to medium to intermediate routes. And we're just going to do that, period. Duke Johnson was averaging seven yards a carry against a pretty damn good defense in that game. Miami's offensive coordinators, all three of them, went, nah, nah, nah. And after the game, you know, like they went at halftime, their big adjustment was we're going to keep throwing it in this wet, slippery weather where the the ball is obviously <laughs> slipping out of people's hands. And – Mike Gesicki gets asked about this later in the week. And, and I'm like, you know, I've, after we had our show, I felt a little bad. I'm like, ah, you know what? I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this was just how they wanted to play it in the rain. Like, you know, they, they planned for this. So Mike Gesicki gets asked by a reporter um, in his media session that week. said, hey, uh, we want to ask you, did you guys have a game plan going into the game uh, for the fact that it, it was supposed to rain and sleet and, and be icy and you name it, or did you guys make adjustments throughout the game for the fact that it was rainy and, and icy and, and cold and, and slippery? 
Mike Gasicki leaned into the microphone, paused for a second, and went, no. And then just sat back. Like, no explanation, just a straight-up mic drop. If you haven't seen the footage of this, it's hilarious. you got to find it out there on Twitter. Like, it was just like, it was just like you look just disgusted. I went, no. <laughs> like, God. Jesus, guys. Like, that's basic, like, you know, Pop Warner five-year-old football right there. Like, yo, it's raining. Shorten those steps up a little bit and keep it tight. So it's so, and and when you're invested to it, makes it even worse. I don't know how many times Luke Luke is not even just texting; he's blatantly calling me, going, "Are we going to fire this son of a bitch this week or not?" I said, "Probably not." All right, well I gotta go, and then he hang up the phone, and I'm like, "All right, well that was my 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 conversation with Luke." And once again, as I say, I understand. That's why they get paid to do it. But, you know, people, we, we in the media shouldn't be right more than we're wrong when the coaches are wrong more no. than they're right. That's just – that's where you know you got the problem. And that, that just – oh, so don't I'm, – I'm happy you were hot. You deserve to be hot. That's the way you got to come into this. And I'm – and that's why when, when you're like, I'll come in last, I got something to say. I was like, hell yeah, I'll make it work if people are willing to shift because I know it's a fun Look, it's everybody else. Like, no offense to anybody. Like, the little bit I heard, it was great stuff. But everybody else was like, yeah, yeah, we, 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 we really had to fire Joe Judge. Like, you know, like, or yeah, yeah we, really, we really had to get rid of Zimmer. Like, you're right. And, like, let's talk about who we can get now. Like, oh, yep. Nagy had to go. Like, we knew that week three. Like, yeah. let's, let's yeah. be honest here. Like, Joe Judge, we knew it when he got hired. We're like, mm. <laughs> enjoy that, that one. Beer delivered, though. Love that. Right, like, Anthony, Anthony Lynn got hired to be the OC in Detroit, and I, I, I called it right then and there. I'm like, well, that's a nice one year for him. Like, you know, like... <laughs> Oh, no, I there's love it. there's not a lot to be hot about. You can be more hot if they don't fire those guys. Like, but with Flores not being about, well, despite coaching mistakes and things like that, that, you know, I just went on a rant about Flores. It wasn't really about the on the field. It was just, you know, does not play well with others and wants to control even more like issues. Like there are reports that he basically just kind of was completely disrespectful with Steve Ross. Like, what What are you getting at here, guy? Like, you just want out. Like, Patrick Graham, who who was the one bright and shining spot on the Dolphins – or on the Giants coaching staff at, at defensive coordinator, like, he put, he did one – no, let me get out of here, would you? I'm, I'm going to take a lateral move. Please let me out of my contract. I don't want to work with this guy anymore. And, like, Patrick Graham's, like, the most happy-go-lucky defensive coordinator that just has a great defensive mind that there is. Like, point out a more happy-go-lucky defensive coordinator that's effective. There isn't one. Yeah. Not play well with the other Anyway, guys. let me let you talk on your show for a minute. No, what, what you got? <laughs> I, I've cut you off six times, too, because I'm, I'm in that same boat, man. What do you got? I'm just curious who you think who who do you think the Dolphins are going to bring in to take over for Flores? Jesus, I hope it's an offensive mind. I I really one of the things I've said is I if I'm 
Steve Ross or, or Tom Garfinkel or Chris Greer, you know, one of my first questions, whether it's an offensive or defensive-minded coach anyway, is what are your plans with our defensive coaching staff and what are your plans for the defense before I even get to the offense? And if their answers are like, oh, I'm going to get rid of all those guys, I'm going to bring in this guy that runs a 4-3 set and uh, we're going to play off ball like Vance Joseph loves to play his corners 40 yards off the goddamn ball at the snap, which, you know, I, I'm still shell-shocked and traumatized from when he was at D.C. before. Um, I, I'm good there. But if, if they're if they're like, look, we're going to keep Josh Boyer here, I might, I'm, I'm going to put my own stamp on it a little bit, but obviously we've got the personnel under contract for next year that can run a hell of a defense if we run the right one. Uh, so why would I change that? And then you go, okay, what are you going to do on the offensive side of the ball now? And, and, and go from there. Like, I mean, it's they're, they're interviewing Mike McDaniel, supposedly, uh, Brian Dable. I hope they interview Eric Bieniemy. Um, you know, I, I like Todd Bowles, but I just don't think he's the right guy. I, I like Byron Leftwich, but I don't think he's ready to be a head coach yet. I'm intrigued at Kellen Moore. Uh, and the reason I say that is what he's done with the Cowboys offense, with the different personnel packages, and making some flexible things work out there in Dallas is pretty cool. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, like, oh, and uh, what's his face? Hackett from, from Green Bay. I just worry Hackett's going to end up being the next next Adam Case, dude. Like, it's, oh, wow, you went out there with a Hall of Fame quarterback and he loves you and <laughs> you, it worked? <laughs> Interesting. Like, yeah, what what has he proven up there in Green Bay other than he can get out of Aaron Rodgers' way? Um, you know, like, uh, that, and that's just, I don't know. I want somebody that can develop Tua. And, you know, because the path of least resistance is Tua working out with a great defense, an efficient quarterback, maybe, I don't know, more than two-fifths of an offensive line for a season. Yeah, this this team could really go somewhere. Well, I think Kellen. I think I think the the Kellen Moore is, is a is a nice one when you talk about developing Tua because I think I I don't think I hear enough credit for Charlie Fry uh, in that staff. I don't I don't know what your thoughts are, but sometimes these guys that didn't pan out maybe as an actual quarterback because they don't have the natural talent per se. There's a reason they got there, and a lot of times it's their mind and their ability to mm-hmm. to to coach. And i i look at I look at Kellen the same way as you know, as, as I said, as an example of a Charlie Fry who didn't work out. You know, sometimes those are the better guys for for the quarterbacks who have the talent that are the opposite of you. That maybe you can bring out those intangibles. You know, the you might be book smart, but you're not street smart type of thing. And, and I I think that's a yeah. really good choice. You know, for for the coach, I, I like that one. Yeah, I was going to say him or McDaniel, but I, I think it's going to ultimately end up being offered to Dable. And, and I'm a guy, and, and you know, I, I've, I, I've, I've brought this up to Luke for the longest time. I really, I don't want to retread. I don't want another coach for the Vikings, just another guy. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, nothing against Bottles, but I don't want it. I don't want, I just don't want another one. I want them to take a risk. I want, I want my team to take a shot. And ever since what, what the Rams and the Cardinals have done, I want Matt Campbell from Iowa State. He turned that team around, and I know you're bringing in a college coach, and everyone's so, so nervous about that, but 
you know, sometimes I just think you got to take that shot because if it works, man, it works really well. Well, I mean, another one you could look at too is Luke Fickle, uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. look what he's done with the, with Cincinnati. Like, yeah, I mean, look at that's look at the that's Cincinnati. <laughs> like, I mean, good lord, like <laughs> really. Do do you think the Dolphins look at anyone um, in that college rank like the Matt Campbells or even like Jim Harbaugh's talked about coming back to the NFL? Um, Lane Kiffin's talked about it. Uh, uh, look, if they do go the college rank, I want them bringing up and comer, not you know, been there, burn that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as that goes, it's Harbaugh. Harbaugh is a good coach. He he tends to come in, take some toys that are there, and, and make the most of it before he breaks them and ruins them and, and just leaves the smoking aftermath of a team behind him. <laughs> and I, I've been through 20 years of mediocrity. I don't want that juju from Harbaugh to, to, to touch my team. Um, he can go screw around with, with Steve Ross's favorite college team and, and call it a day. I was very happy to hear Steve Ross say, Jim Harbaugh is not coming near the Dolphins. We love him at Michigan, though. Like, hell yes. Please. Thank you. Shut that down. Like, <laughs> ugh. Well, I mean, you, you probably still got the bad, you know, you got that bad salt in your, 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 in the wound from Nick Saban when you tried something like that, too, which doesn't help. You know, he's the only retread that, as much as I hate to say it, I think enough times been healed to, to – or enough times hit that wound, heal – or healed that wound, or whatever the hell the damn saying is to get right to this. <laughs> yeah. um, I know where you're going. That I, I, I'd be okay with it. And, and Saban would be walking into a different environment this time. Um, and, you know, like, it, it, it could be very interesting if he were to be the guy, but I, I don't see it happening at this point. I think after losing the national championship – I don't think Saban's going anywhere. I think he wants to go back and kind of right the ship because, good Lord, you know, a year Alabama didn't win the championship. Something must be wrong and we need to fix it. But, you know, what a game that was. But it's – and I don't want Bill O'Brien, you know, and shame on the Jaguars for even thinking about interviewing the guy. Like, you just had PR nightmares with with Urban Meyer and you're going to bring in the next Urban Meyer. Yeah, like that's Bill O'Brien weird. should be allowed to head coach. <laughs> God, it's so weird. You know, I'm Roger looking at the 2005 Dolphins team with that, that uh, Saban came in, and you got Jason Garrett as your quarterback coach, Scott Linehan as your coordinator. I think that was after the Vikings. This team was oh. some of these names: to Bucky Jones, David Boston, Chris Chambers, Ronnie Brown. Yes. Bill O'Brien is read by you from uh, Waterboy. Like that's who Bill O'Brien is. <laughs> God, <laughs> uh, I I don't know I don't know what anyone's thinking about trying to bring that guy in. That was a talk about a disaster. I don't know what you were thinking about when you thought we were going to go ten minutes. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's something we decided it was probably the best. <laughs> if we slide this to the back. That's when you're like, yeah, 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 1025 to 10. 
okay, if that's what you want, but you're probably not going to get a word in. <laughs> well, that's that's why that's why, like I said, I I, I learned from my ways that I, I looked at it and I thought about things and I was like, yeah, you know, this guy's never been on before. We'll move him here because this will be eight minutes. This will be question, question, yeah, question, I, question. Can we just agree on a rule now? If I'm coming on your show, I get to be last because you know we're going to talk, man. You yeah, know we're going to talk. Fair. That's that's hundred percent fair. I, I'm, I'm, or at least I am. Stamp that shit in there. It's gonna happen. Let, let me ask you this then here before we get to the important matters of the evening. Yeah. Week one, clipboard in hand. Who's running this team? Dable. You comfortable with it? I'm okay with it. I'm not. I'm not jumping for joy. Like you know, he's. I was gonna say Jesus, but let's face it, man, shaped like Buddha. Um, so, you know, it's <laughs> like, seriously, dude, the guy's built like freaking Danny DeVito as the penguin. Um, but you he know, it's like a melting it's... candle. <laughs> Bro, Danny tight. <laughs> like how is Brian Dable going to come in and lecture somebody about showing up overweight? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And I don't want Doug Peterson. Good Lord. Like, have you seen the clips of him, like, buying his team ice cream? It's pretty yeah, ridiculous. That's one of the guys that people are talking about. And I'm like, mm, like, no. And, and I just, like I said, I, I have my thoughts. I, I want my new, I want that, that new shiny toy. I want that young, fresh guy who comes in and, and you know, is ready to be a world beater before realizing that life sucks and then you just move on. And I want that ambitious man to come in. I just don't want any of these retreads. And when I heard Doug Peterson, I'm like, I know people are talking about how great he did with, with, with the Eagles and they, they beat the Patriots and Carson Wentz. And it, to be fair, Frank Wright is doing the same. He pulled out a good thing with Carson Wentz too. So like, I'm not going to crap on people who think that, but I'm also going to say another guy just did it with lesser weapons with him. Well, yes, there, Jonathan like, Taylor. I, I, you know, Marvin Harrison. Ain't I want anymore. somebody to come in and I want somebody to come in and coach angry. Just you know, be like, hey, y'all are my guys. Come with me. Let's go. Let's go. Like, I want somebody to coach with the attitude Joe Burrow walks onto a field with every day. There like, you go. I'm a good dude. I'm gonna bring everybody with me. But I swear to God, Grandma, I am gonna murder you at shoots and ladders. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's and that's that. That's not a bad attitude to have. People have forgotten it's okay to win. Like <laughs> when when um when the Rams were on hard knocks, they had to tell Scott McVay or Sean McVay to stop swearing because that dude's just cursing <laughs> up the storm trying to get people to do things. And I'm like, you know what? I I don't care that there's players on his team that are probably older than him. This guy wants to win. Why why did we yeah. forget about that? Like why did we forget dude, about that? It's on that? HBO. Like he's on the yeah. same network as Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm watching people get their heads severed, and they tell this guy to stop cursing. Dude, <laughs> you know, it, put that together. Like, I, I want that. I sound like Roy Kent when I'm watching a Dolphins game. Good Lord. <laughs> like, like, give me that. And, and it just there's so many people that that forgot about that old school mentality of of it's not it's 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 why. It's why, for the love of God, I have this on our soundboard. And as goofy and as 
dumb as he may have looked, I will to this day always say this is one of my favorite phrases ever in sport. You like that? You like that? That guy was so damn happy that he came out and proved people wrong and won. And people are like, wow, what a weirdo. No, that's a guy who wants to freaking win. Why are we against this? Yeah, he's had, he's had two ga- good games since. So, good, oh, good damn. 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 <laughs> you just broke my heart. Here's, here's where I threw my chair. <laughs> As the, 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 uh, the Cousins my... Rose pedal thrower of everybody. <laughs> that's my boy right there. Oh, well, God. y'all can keep him based on the rumors I heard this week. I hope he's on your roster next year, so he's far as hell away from mine. I'll just say that. <laughs> and I hope Flores gets him and gets what he deserves after, you know, you know, swearing at Tua for throwing in the rain. Like, who called that play? Oh, God. Well, maybe, maybe. I'm, I'm hot, man. I'm getting into it. Look what you got, man. Is, it, is there any – before the draft, we talked about Deshaun Watson to the Dolphins. Before the tread di- deadline, there was talk. Is there any chance we see that happen? I don't believe so. Um, the, this team is set up and actually has a real chance to fix holes without depleting other areas. This is a team that's walking into free agency – with a handful, like a very small handful of guys that need to be re-signed, um, only two big names in Mike Kosicki and Emmanuel Agba, and they're walking in with seventy-six million dollars and the capacity to make another probably fourteen million without hurting themselves in, in cap space as well. Um, you could probably, you know, you could franchise. Gasicki for thirteen and a half million, I think, is the tight end number. Uh, Emmanuel Aga is probably going to cost fifteen, so that brings you back down to about fifty-five million in cap space going into free agency in a free agent class that's deep with guys like um, Teron Armstead, like Cam Robinson, like Trent Brown, like you know, like you start looking at the offensive tackle position of free agency. And it's a murderer's row of, of, of offensive tackles out there that can come in and, let's face it, being an okay offensive tackle is an upgrade at this point for Miami. Like, you watch any two of successful play, and he's literally, like, stepping up, stepping – he looks like he's playing Dance Dance Revolution to get away from the pass rush. And, and it, it's good Lord. Let's see what the guy can do if you actually have time. It's, it's, it's a panic button attempt to get it out there. So of course he's going to miss open receivers and things like that and make a couple of errant throws a game. It's crazy. He had the accuracy. He did, you know, having a freaking time test where he gets blown up on every play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's and, and that's one thing I can say too, in all seriousness is, you know, with us being Vikings guys is, you know, ever since McKinney and Hutchinson, our quarterbacks are doing one B2, B3, B4, B, and they have to try to get rid of the football because, you know, unless unless Mike Vick's back there, you're screwed. And you get the four me? I'm probably mid throw by the four, but it's it's, well, it's and, puzzling and, how sometimes and, you know when, when that one domino goes down, your line is just depleted and done. And, and it's so hard to properly rebuild it in this league nowadays. It is, and 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 we're in we're in this instant gratification generation. Where where people forget sometimes it takes time to develop people. I mean, and 
for Tua, I, I'm not saying he's the guy, but I'm not saying he's not the guy. If Mac Jones goes to the second round of the playoffs by some stroke of Josh uh, Allen and the rest of the Bills got COVID luck, uh, he'll have, he and Tua will have started the same number of games, and half of Tua's games were, were after that horrific injury at Alabama where they weren't even sure if he'd be walking for the football season. So, yeah. you know, it, it's – it's people forget that yes, this was to his second year, but he's got as many starts at this point, or one or two more starts than most of the rookie quarterbacks out there. And you know, it's it's we've got to in Christ, he's had four offensive coordinators now if you count Charlie Fry in those two years. So yeah, I I I don't think there's any reason to give up on him. I, I, no, it, it's not that time. And you're putting the weapons, I mean, you put Waddle with them, like you're, you're giving him weapons for, you're, you're putting those weapons there because you're playing to keep him, I feel like. You're not, you're not, mm-hmm. you're going the, the opposite way of moving on, I think, you know. I, I think that's a positive. And you're, once they added a run game, suddenly it got a lot better. And the mm-hmm. one game in the final eight that they got away from running the ball was Tennessee in the rain. When they were averaging yeah. seven yards a carry. <laughs> Against the number one seed on the road. That's <laughs> right. You know. Averaging seven yards a carry in the rain and you get away from it. <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a Zimmer thing. Oh, no yeah, by the way, good luck, good luck if you get Flores. <laughs> Damn it. Because I, I do think I, he's going to the Vikings or the Bears. Oh, I hope he goes to the Bears. I, I I I am as far as I can away from everybody that like like I said I want Matt Campbell I I can see him in my future I just need it to come true because I I I'd rather be wrong about him than be right and we don't do it and somebody else does it yeah no I you know I, I, rather, you know, I, I, I had Campbell on my short list too so I get it you know it, it you know, it's the guy's a stud same same with Fickle. Uh, they're, they're the two college coaches off the top of my head that I would want right now. It's it's one of those where at least they went, they they took a chance and went for it. They didn't play the safe route, and I respect that. Like that's why I'm, you know, that's why you know Luke. I've been saying this since, since last year. You know, I'm like this, this Campbell dude, man, just take a chance. And if you're wrong, hey, your fan base is going to respect the holiday for at least trying something out of the box instead of doing the the same thing over and over again. Dude, do you go on the same Twitter I do? No, they won't. <laughs> oh God! Come on! What, what the heck is Vikings Twitter like? Oh, I got to get on there. I, I think Vikings, Vikings fans after this. Real life is the worst one because every Vikings fan is in, in Minnesota, like that you see in public with gear, is like over the age of sixty-five, and they compare everything to Fran Tarkenton, and that's why we're not good. I'm like. You my, know, my my old line coach, who I actually coached his grandson this year, is a huge Mikey Vikings fan from Minnesota, <laughs> and I just see when I log on Facebook, just just the misery, like this poor <laughs> old Marine. It's hard. I... <laughs> it's one of the one of the many reasons that I give this man a hug every time I see him is because he's a Vikings fan. Like, I... 
there's there's a radio station up here, KDWB. It's like the number one like pop music station. And 1998, they took Will Smith's Miami song and they changed it to the Vikings in Miami. And like they had like Denny Green running things in the Metrodome. We're going to Miami, and everybody was like, oh. "This is it. This is the year." And then he takes the knee at halftime, and everyone goes, "Huh." Not like Daddy. He usually would have just had Randall with that arm heave it to Randy Wallace, who no human being on earth can do anything to. But it's okay. We have Gary Anderson. He hasn't even missed an extra point this year. And then we lose to Chris Chandler and the Falcons. <laughs> it's like, this is what it's like being a fucking Vikings fan. I love Denny Green, man. That, that pissed off little Weeble, man. When he went out to freaking uh, Arizona, Arizona and Weeble walked his way up to the podium. Oh, this is the greatest press conference. Parts of all time. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I like I, the playoffs one. Playoffs? Oh, that, oh, that, <laughs> that was, uh, that was a good one. Yeah. But you, I, like, I, I like Mora have... just went straight to it. Like, and by the way, Mora Jr. is coaching my, my, my college team now in UConn. But, uh, freaking, uh, like, Danny, Danny, like, started trying to give a real answer. That was the best part. And you could just hear his voice cracking like he suddenly hit puberty and was going to get taller. Like, it's just like, uh, you know, they, they went out there. We had him right where we wanted him. And, and Ken, you want to – like, he just starts snapping and punching the podium. Like, I'm like, oh, oh let's go. Let's go, Daddy. Like, and he turned to walk away, and he came – and, like, you see his brain just go, no, damn it, I'm finishing what I got to say. And I went back, and he's like, you want to crown that ass? Crown him. Like, I'm like, oh, get it, Daddy. Get it. I need this for my ringtone. He was, he was so – I thought I actually had that on the soundboard. The only one I have, it's not NFL, but it's, it's another very fast good one from uh, the one and only David Fisdale himself. Take that for data. And he Ooh, the okay. <laughs> Dave, I thought I had that. I'm going to have to get that Teddy Green crap out here. I, if you don't have that Denny Green stuff next time, I'm going full Brian Flores on this show. Just so you know. Right. I promise. I, 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 will, I will personally do it after this show is over. Um, but what I do have on the soundboard is, is something that is near and dear to everybody's hearts. And, and it is this right here. Uber facts. The most unimportant yes. things you'll never need to know. Uh, Luke, Luke, I had, I had told him that we are going to keep a standings this year, keeping a win-loss of the Uberfax. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm undefeated so far, aren't I? Yeah, I you're, so. you're, you're one of the machines at this, and, and I really made sure that I came correct this year as we, we begin 2022 in the right way. And I'll let you have first pick. Luke, I'll have you come in second. I feel like I, feel like I got a, a good grasp this, this time. So, Let's see if I can crack you guys. We all know how it goes. If you're listening, I have four facts. One of these is made up. One of these is, is not a correct fact. It's altered. They have to sniff out which is the fake fact of them all. With that, fact number one, at their closest points, Russia and the United States are only 24 miles apart. Number two, Nigeria lifted its ban on Twitter at midnight today. Number three, it's possible to win Monopoly in 21, 21 seconds. Statistically speaking, this super short game would occur once every 253 trillion, 
891,671,040 games. And the last one, when you snap your fingers, the sound is created by your finger hitting the palm of your hand. Paul, what is the fake fact? Can you repeat the Russia one again? At their closest points, Russia and the United States are only 24 miles apart. That is a fake fact, because that, that, that's from back when that land bridge was starting to go under. I'm going with that. All right. I'm actually going to do the same one. Same one. So, if, if uh, you look at the top of the map where Alaska reaches all the way over near Russia, there's a small island in between them that is dual-owned. But you guys are both correct. Because the correct answer is they are only 2.4 miles away from touching each other. So it's even closer. Yep, there's a part of uh, at the top left corner of Alaska and the edge of Russia, there's a small like body of water that, that connects between the two and it's 2.4 miles away from each other. Blew my mind. It was, it was so much huh. to the point when I, I, I was almost not even going to alter it. Because I thought it sounded so fake until I looked at a map. <laughs> and you guys both sniffed it out. Both of you are. That must, that must be where Sarah Palin's house is. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> on that island. <laughs> I thought you guys were going to say that, that Nigeria lifting its ban on Twitter at midnight today was a completely false, false fact. But there was a big announcement that uh, as of the 13th of January, you are now allowed to have Twitter. In Nigeria, get on your phones. Let's go, Nigeria! <laughs> so somebody was like, "Oh, finally, I can DM my my prince now to get that money." <laughs> so if you're in Nigeria, follow me at fanatic underscore pick. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, man, it's, it's Wait, always a pleasure. You can now, oh, yes. Ahead, keep, no, they keep can going. now. Like I was, I had to look at the clock. Like, <laughs> yeah, since I was only taking ten minutes of your time, it, you know. You know, uh, an hour ago. Forty-eight minutes ago, we, we had a ten-minute conversation. But yes, I've officially been on longer than the rest of your guests combined. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's, I'm just sitting in my house here, like I, like I'm two miles from Russia. <laughs> two point four, actually. Yes. Hey, I, I, I might have got it for the wrong reason, but I carry my undefeated streak forward like a true Dolphin fan. Hey, I'm gonna start popping champagne as your other undefeated ones fall. <laughs> we, like I said, we're going to keep a I got, I got a big spreadsheet here With like a ton of these facts And I'm putting everybody's names that go through it And we're going to, we're going to have some fun with this um, Nice I say, I'm undefeated fun. in the preseason Now I'm undefeated in the regular season And <laughs> hey, you'll be back for regular season You'll be back for playoffs You'll be back for a Super Bowl attempt We might even have to make a tournament out of it We'll figure something out it's going to be fun, I but... was going to say, I'm coming back for Uber, Uber Tournament of Champions here <laughs> Like I want, I want a damn trophy at the end of that one. Let's go! You know we might have, we might have to make something happen here. I I love Uberfax so much, and and I know you always are a fan to play it. And some people are kind of just like, um, yeah, I'd like to take care of this with you. That would be fun. And I'm like, man, this is Uberfax, baby. Like, get up! This is exciting. Some people. Are like, Here's oh, the thing: God. I don't care if I'm wrong. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it in glorious fashion. If so. like that's all. <laughs> I'm like, you will learn something here today. Not only will we allow you to rant, but we will teach you something. 
teach you something. And I got to be right and learn. What's better than that? See, you're the man with that, Paul. Uh, <laughs> as as always, man, plug everything you got. You know, you're always one of our favorites we've had over the years, and I, I'm I'm dead hey. happy in in the worst way that your coach is fired, so we were able to chat on the the first NFL show of the year because it, it it was like fate. Well, that's, you know, like I, I sat back. I'm like, oh, man, Flores got fired. Oh, I get to go on the show this week, I bet. Let's go. <laughs> um, but, no, seriously, guys, follow us out on, on YouTube. We're on iHeartRadio, Spotify, all the places on the Finn side. If you go over to FinnFanatic.com, um, go to any article on the website, and our podcast is up in there for the On the Finn side show. Uh, I'm supposed to write stuff there, but let's fix it. I never do. Uh, but, you know, they get to, you get to hear my bright, shining voice chattering away with with Kat. Um, you know, follow me out on Twitter, at Fanatic underscore Pit. You can follow Kat at Brian Cat NFL. Uh, and follow the show, at On the Fin Side. We're on Instagram, much as I write articles for Fin Fanatic. So, you know, <laughs> we're going to go with that one there. Um, but no, seriously, guys, we I, I have a blast with this stuff. Thank you guys very much for having me on. I knew we were gonna have fun and and, and you know run the gamut with it tonight. So, oh, yeah. thank you oh, again yeah. for having me on. And, and and the best way, best the best possible way, um, for for me to you, in, in the words of of the one great RevX, thank you, Paul. Cut that bitch off. <laughs> Let's move on here. Ah. One of my favorite guests, Luke, every year. Always, always a pleasure to have him on. We we now know that Brian, Brian Flores apparently ain't shit. He's trash. I don't want him now. <laughs> Just because of what Paul said. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, he's such a pleasure. And, um, You're such a pleasure. I just had to send him a message. I always love having that. Too. He was one of our very first guests, like, 2015, 16-ish, like way back when. He he was like one of the very first people we ever had come on the show. But I love that he still still gets to do it, and you know we get to hit that hit that So we I I did want to bring this up, and, and you know we could probably speed through our games that are always fun. But uh, you know you go through. We didn't talk about Gruden because that was a resignation. Um, we we didn't we didn't talk about uh, Urban Meyer, which I don't think is that. I mean, we we you know we were skeptical to begin with about that. Yeah, Urban Meyer was trash anyway. <laughs> and and shout shout out to um shout out to uh I can't I, I don't know why I'm blanking on the, the gentleman who took over for the Raiders, but he ended up having a pretty good freaking year coming in there as as the the intern guy to the playoffs, yeah. you know. They brought him to the playoffs. I think he'll he'll probably get that job I'd assume. Yeah, I, I would I'd be shocked if he didn't. But the one that really surprises me is the Texans yesterday got rid of David Culley or today. He goes four and thirteen as the Texans coach, but he wasn't set up for shit. Yeah, no, and yeah, they didn't. I mean, Brandon Cooks was the highlight of that team the whole year. I mean, Davis Mills played decent for a late round quarterback that kind of got thrown into a sitchy, uh, shitty situation. You know, they have no Watson. They Bill O'Brien basically chases J.J. Watt out of there. They bring they bring in David Culley and just has has a 
the the just a, a horrendous roster. I mean, if you look at that roster, it's it's not good. You know, they they get rid of you know DeAndre Hopkins wasn't you know was was a staple of that team. He's out. I just it, it blew my mind that a lot of people are saying Flores is going to the Texans, and when they found out that Flores was available, that's why they fired Coley. It could be. I mean, I, I, I'd imagine that team's going to be a hundred percent rebuild, except for maybe Brandon Cooks. But yeah, just that—that that was the weird one that I that I really wanted to just kind of bring up. That I, I knew we were kind of laying off the other ones, Jaguars and Raiders, for you know we, there was personal reasons why we were laying off of those teams. into <laughs> 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 Uh, a, a little bit of what Paul was, was talking about with uh, other people. It's kind of bizarre issues. Um, I just, I was like, man, this dude got set up for nothing. No, like, yeah, they, got, like they just put him there and then we're ready to just, you're going to be fired when something is. They gave him a shot just to purposely, they, they, they essentially did what Office Depot does to their managers with NPS. <laughs> Where's the, where's the, where's this? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, I love that uh, they didn't deliver something and got a five. We do all the delivering. But, never mind. Set point. <laughs> so we got, we got some awards that we want to do. Uh, we got a couple games to play. I, I think since we, we got three strikes, we got real MVP. We have our playoff picks, and we have our NFL awards. Out of the four, where do you want to start? Let's go. Let's go playoff bracket. Let's do that. Playoff bracket. All right. So I went through and I did AFC uh, before my NFC. Doesn't really matter. Do you want to go by wild card rounds, or do we want to just knock out a whole conference and then do the Super Bowl? We can just knock out the whole conference and then do the Super Bowl. All right. You want to go AFC or NFC first, sir? Let's go AFC first. AFC, I have, with the 2-7, I have the Chiefs over the Steelers. I, I as well believe that the Chiefs are going to just manhandle the Steelers. <laughs> I hope so, as I hate the Steelers. Uh, I got the four-seeded Bengals taking out the Raiders. Joey B coming in. I, I do as well. Um, and then I do have the Patriots upsetting the Bills with their team getting covid as he mentioned. I, I do not. I, I have the Bills still winning. I hope they do. I just, I have that terrible feeling where I'm like, man, they're just going to somehow win because that's just what they do. And it just makes me sick to my stomach to think about. But I would that, love that to Bill, see them get the first round. That Bill Belichick's going <laughs> to take a rookie <laughs> quarterback to the Yeah, because we'll never hear the end of it is, I think, my issue. Like, I yeah. bet you there's people who are like, you know it's going to be Patriots and Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, no, of course not. And then in the back of your mind, I'm like, oh, God. It's going to be. Really... <laughs> <laughs> um, so our our divisional games will be a little bit different because of the reseeding. Uh, yep. So my first divisional game, I have the Chiefs over the Bengals. I have the... So you have Chiefs Wait, and what? Bills. Yep, 
Yep, I have Chiefs and Bills. I have the uh, Chiefs beating the Bills. Yeah, mine's different because I had the six seed Patriots. Yeah, that, so that they, was, they I was so it. confused when you said that. Looking at my <laughs> thing, I was like, what? That is a receding issue. And then because I just I, – I have the Patriots beating the Titans. Because I, I just feel I, like Titans are going to choke. I have the Bengals beating the Titans. I I don't see I don't see anything wrong with that. I I think Tennessee twelve and five is the one seed is is a smokescreen, and yeah. I I don't believe Derrick Henry is healthy. No, I and, don't and believe if, he's going to be a factor which they're hiding. Yeah, and Julio and AJ Brown were out a lot of the year too, so who knows how truly healthy they are too. And... Uh, with that being said, I do have the Chiefs stopping the Mac Jones Bill Belichick train. I have the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl. I have the Bengals going to the Super Bowl. Let's, I would look if the Bengals go to the Super Bowl, and as long as they're not playing the Cardinals, I will buy a Joey Burrow jersey and rock it for the bar. For the oh, for sure, absolutely. I, I that offense, I I just don't think there's a defense good enough to stop that offense in the AFC playoffs. I mean, or I'm gonna go get me a Jamar Chase. You the, you you come down. If, okay, here's here we go. If the Bengals make the Super Bowl, and then make your point after this, you need to come down from Bemidji. And we're wearing Burrow and, and Chase to the bar with, with Isaiah. Right. And we're okay. watching this game. We're cheering. Unless it's the Cardinals, then I, then I won't do it. But yeah, no, just, you're, you're saying with the offense. It's just their offense is too – I mean, the Bengals put up almost – I think over 40 points against the Chiefs when they played them at the end of the season. Like, I just – I don't think there's a defense in the AFC that can stop the Bengals. Like, the Bills can't. The Titans can't. The Raiders definitely can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I just, intrigued, man. I I think they have a really good shot to do something. Yeah. I really do. I think this AFC is wide open, minus, minus the Steelers. And I think the Raiders are a little – I think they're playing better than they really are. Yeah. But I think I think the you know the the Chiefs Bengals Bills if everything's going right and I I think just because of what they are the Patriots can there's there's some competition in there. I'd, I'd cry if the Patriots made it. <laughs> I would too unless they lose. they play the Bucs. If if it's Patriots Buccaneers I may not watch it. <laughs> Patriots Buccaneers. <laughs> Like, when it was Packers-Steelers a few years ago, I wore an A.J. Hawk jersey when I watched that game as a Vikings fan. I'll watch and I'll cheer for Tom Brady like I did last year. So, <laughs> I, I was wearing a Mahomes jersey at the bar. Oh, yeah. So, with that being said, I got Buccaneers over Eagles. Uh, I do as well, too. I have the Cowboys over the Niners. I do, too, as well. And... No surprise to anybody, I have the Cardinals over the Rams. I have the Rams over the Cardinals. That's okay. I, I'm pretty sure I'm just being biased. Um, no receding them for us. I do have the Packers beating the Cardinals. Uh, I have the Packers beating the Rams. Uh, I then have the Buccaneers beating the Cowboys. I actually have the Cowboys beating the Bucks. Hey. And then I have the Packers over the Buccaneers. And I have... The great Aaron Rodgers losing in the NFC Championship game yet again 
to the Dallas oh, Cowboys. So you got Cowboys Bengals. What an interesting I, Super Bowl. I do. Uh, so in my Super Bowl, I do have Aaron Rodgers beating Patty Mahomes to win the Super Bowl. Oh, do you? I just think I just think Green Bay is playing so good right now. Yeah. I uh, I have Joey Burrow following in Patrick Mahomes' footsteps and winning a Super Bowl in his second season. I hope you are right that I'm wrong. <laughs> I would love to see that. You know what I would love to see, and and I would be okay with uh, depending on the outcome. But I think it would be the funnest possible Super Bowl. What is if it if it was Burrow versus Murray? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I think that would be a fun Super Bowl. Yeah. And and here's the thing, look, like, not to try to sway the Cardinals, but they're talking that they're getting um that Hopkins and Watt are gonna play. Yeah. And when they were a healthy team, nobody could touch them to start the season. Didn't Watt play in like the season finale against the Rams, right? No, he was he was on the sideline though, like helping coach. Gotcha. But I just you know, when we did our, our picks last year, and I had the Cardinals winning all those games at the beginning. I mean, they did it. They, I was not wrong with that. I, I, yeah. I truly believe that if everybody's healthy, I truly believe they're the best team in football. Yeah, I really do. And and I'm probably on a le- you know on the ledge by myself, but he just what Kingsbury's done with that team and Kyler Murray when he's able to. I mean, he's out there lately running for his life. It looks like, but he gets Hopkins back. James Conner is playing like a star. James Conner's a man. I'm a man. I'm 40. Not not a man like Isaiah Simmons, but a man. <laughs> Isaiah Simmons is way tight. <laughs> um, let's go to. You know, let, let's go with this. Let's, we're gonna we're gonna back to back game it, and then we're gonna close with awards. So I think it's better to close on a serious note. So yes. let's go to this first. A real MVP coming at you, sponsored RepSports.com. Use promo code WrestleCast. Get yourself 10% off all your supplements, energy drinks, the whole nine yards. Real MVP is where we give you our MVP of the last week. Luke, who's your real MVP this week? Uh, I chose T.J. Watt just because he broke Michael Strahan's sack record. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, I went a little bit out of the box, uh, which which I, I thought was kind of cool. Uh, my real MVP for the week goes to Trinity Rodman, the daughter of one Dennis Rodman, who at 19 was named to the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team uh, for the first oh, time ever. Cool. Yeah, so cool. she. She she started out for the Washington Spirit in 2021. She was the youngest player ever drafted in the National Women's Soccer League. She was the Rookie of the Year, and she won the USA Soccer Young Female Player of the Year as well. And she made their Olympic team. I just think it's really cool that Rodman's daughter is, I is, think in, the, uh, is in there. Yeah, like I was going to say, I think it's cool because it's Dennis Rodman. And, like, how Dennis Rodman was in the NBA, like, I wouldn't think his daughter would make the U.S. Olympic soccer team. <laughs> you know, it's, I think it's – I always think it's cool when, the, when there's the – when there's the the 
different sports but in the same family. Like the two that yeah. like, like, like the two that always come up is Popeye Jones from the old from the nineties NBA. His son is Seth Jones, defenseman Chicago Blackhawks, one of the best defensemen in the league. So seeing the NBA to NHL crossover. And then Donovan McNabb, who was an amazing quarterback, you know, went the four straight NFC Championship games with Philly, a couple of Super Bowls. His nephew is Darnell Nurse, who plays on the Edmonton Oilers for the, for the that team. So it's another one of those NFL yeah. to NHL. It's, I always think those cross sports are cool where it's not just, oh, we're following in the footsteps of someone in our family in the same sport. So seeing Rodman's daughter make the, the U.S. women's national team at 19, uh, I think it was awesome. I, I was really excited to see it. I thought that was a really cool story. That is pretty cool. Which, which that brings us to this right here. One of my favorite things as well. Aging myself, I apologize. Three strikes, Luke. Would you like to guess first, or would you like to quiz first? I want to quiz first. All right, bring it on. First three strikes of the year. Do your work. Uh, so I have two, and you get to choose which one you want. Ready? Okay. Okay, so all I need to know is most or least. <laughs> Give me most. All right. What are the just because we're on the coaching carousel in the NFL right now? What are the what Don top? What no no hold on. What okay. are the top NFL teams that have had the most head coaches in NFL history? Oh shit! Okay, I thought you were gonna be like you were gonna ask something different. I was like, well, I, I know he's got a ton of wins. Um. Oh boy. This is a good one that I don't think I'm going to do very well. Um, let's let's start with let's say the the New York Giants. The New York Giants are number seven. They have had 21 head coaches in their history. All right, all right. The New York Jets. Number the Jets are number six with 22 head coaches in okay. their history. The Cleveland Browns. That is your first strike. Damn it. Okay. Um, the Chicago the Browns were Bears. Well, the the Browns were twelfth. If that helps at all. They're twelve. Okay. Um, the Bears. That is your second strike. They are fourteenth. Washington. Washington in their history. That is number four. They have had twenty six. Okay, okay. Um, this is hard, man. This is hard. Green Bay. No, 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 Don't do Green Bay. Don't do Green Bay. Um, let's go with the Raiders. The Raiders, that is correct as well. They have had 21 head coaches. Okay, so I have four teams so far? Yep. The Miami Dolphins. 
That is your third strike. Yeah, the Dolphins have only the, the Dolphins have only had thirteen head coaches in their history. Oh. All right. So number ten is the Colts with nineteen. Number nine is the Bills with twenty. Number eight oh. is the rate is the Raiders with twenty one. Number seven is the Giants with twenty one. Number six is the Jets with twenty two. Number five was the uh, Philadelphia Eagles with 24. Number number four was Washington with 26. Number three was the Rams with 26. Number two was the Detroit Lions with 30. Uh, Why did I not think of the Lions? Is number one the Bengals? Nope. And the number one team with the most head coaches in NFL history is the Arizona Cardinals. Ah, yeah. That's a good one. Damn, they that's ha- awful. They have had 40 coaches in their history. <laughs> well, kind of uh, throwing a small layup. Luke, with with the, the head coach talk of what we had today, I want you to name for me the top 10 head coaches with the most wins in NFL history. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even know half the old ones. Uh, with the most wins? Yeah, there's four. I can see you getting maybe half of these. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Don Shula. Don Shula's number one, which I screamed him because I had this on my screen. I thought that's what you were going to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not like, right. damn it, I just gave him one. Um... Dang. I was going to um, run the table and then tell you that that was my thing. Um, Bill Belichick? Number three. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm going to go Sean Payton. Uh, that is your first strike. Sean Payton, number 21. I thought he'd be higher with all those Drew Brees winning seasons, but I guess not. Um, and they're all head coaches, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go John Madden. John Madden, that is your second strike. Damn. John Madden only coached ten seasons, but he has the highest win percentage in the history. Okay. He went down one hundred three and thirty-two. Okay, he just wasn't in the league long. Enough. And gotcha. In ten seasons, he went to. I think he went to. Like seven division or AFC championships too. Yeah, I don't know his first name, but uh, Shanahan, the the older one, the dad or whatever. Mike Shanahan. Yeah. This is your third strike, number thirteen. You got one correct. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm not good with like like I know head coaches, but I don't. Know. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's a bunch of old ones on there that I'm gonna be like, oh yeah. So Chuck Knox. Yeah, I don't even know who yeah. that is. So I went to about 186. that. Dan Reeves. Okay. He had 190. Uh, Chuck Knoll with the Steelers had 193. I don't know who that is either. Marty Schottenheimer had 200. He who did he call? He was he the Giants? He was Chargers, Washington Chiefs, and the Browns. Okay. Eminem. Eminem rapped about him like Marty Schottenheimer. <laughs> well, Eminem rapped about everyone, so it's okay. Uh, this one I would have never got. Curly Lambeau. He was a Packers coach for 28 that, years. That's, yep, that's who Lambeau Field's named after. Okay, yep. Uh, number five, Andy Reid. 
Uh, I see. I was going to guess him, but I didn't think he was because he left for so many years between the two. Mm-mm. He uh, he coached the Eagles 99-2012 and then 2013 to President Chiefs. See, I thought he was gone longer. That's why I didn't guess him. Dang it. Um, Tom Landry on Dallas. See, I knew one of them was da- – I knew one was da- – I was going to say that one Dallas coach, but I couldn't <laughs> his name. I was like – And then uh, George Hallett on the Bears. Okay. I, I assume that there was going to be a Bears one from back in the 80s and stuff. Yeah, from 1920 to 1967, he coached the Bears off and on. Well, that's, that's not fair. He cheated, bro. He was in the league for like 100 years. <laughs> yeah, this man coached a long-ass time. Um, with that being said, we're going into overtime here. As The the only way you're hearing this, if, if you're listening, is probably live and has kicked you off. Uh, this is on the podcastable portion of the show. We're going to close it off with our 2021-2022 NFL Awards. Luke, let's start with the head coach. Who do you got, NFC and AFC coach? Uh, So for the NFC Coach of the Year, I have the Dallas Cowboys' Mike McCarthy. And then, I have uh, Matt LaFleur from Green Bay. I was going to pick him, but I, I, don't, I, I couldn't do it. 13 wins, three years in a row, the number one seed. They had so much turmoil with what they were going to do, I, I had to pick them. I chose Mike McCarthy just because after Dak's injury last year, he, he brought that team that didn't do very good with Dak's injury to the third seed. So, I mean, exactly. I'm sure a lot of that was with talent, but it takes the coach, the coach, the talent. Yeah, you know, former Packer coach. <laughs> Um, my AFC coach of the year is Zach Taylor. He's, he's, I think he's done one of the best jobs as a young coach for the Bengals. I wanted, I wanted to pick him, but I went Brable for two reasons. One, they got a buy. And I think with this new playoff structure, getting the buy, I think has, there's a lot to say with that, but on top of it, he did it with Ryan, Ryan Tannehill and no Derrick Henry. Yeah. So I give him credit I, for that. But I, I like, that I, I like yours. Yours was yeah. my like fifty fifty coin flip. I, I think I think the A like the coach of the year is gonna go to Bill Belichick though, since he went to the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. Oh man. Yeah. I I bet you I bet you he wins. You know what I mean? I'll be pissed. <laughs> Comeback player of the year. Uh NFC I have Dak Prescott. I don't I have Dak a, as well. I don't I don't think there's a question. No. Um I think they're both no brainers to be honest. Yeah, it, AFC I have Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joey B. Yeah, right there yeah. with you. Just there's no question. Defensive rookie of the year. I think this is pretty obvious too. Uh NFC I have Micah Parsons. Dude's an animal. Sixty four tackles, thirteen sacks, three forced fumbles, and he had he led uh all rookies and quarterback pressures with thirty eight. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Micah Parsons, he anchored that defense. Uh he, he came in there and do and he did everything when we talked to three or four different people about the draft last year, he did everything we said he was going to do. Yeah. When he came into that team. So yeah, Micah Parsons mine. And I'm pretty sure we got the same thing. If you want to break down the stats, Patrick Sertan, the second. Yeah. Uh, he didn't. His stats didn't jump off the table as much as you think they would. But he did have uh, 15 pass deflections, four interceptions, one pick six, and four uh, sub 50 tackles. Uh, I think he'll go up next year. But. I I think too. Um, 
And part of the reason that I gave it to him is, yes, his stats weren't incredibly impressive, but I thought he was very much like a young Namdi Asamoah, yep. where his stats didn't blow everyone off the chart because nobody wanted to throw at him. And if nobody's going to throw at you, that's just as important as, as stats to me because they're right. afraid to go at you. And, you know, everybody looked at, like, everyone would go, well, Darrell Rivas is better than Namdi Asamoah. Why? Because his stats are better? It's because they didn't want to throw at him. Yeah. And I feel yep, like I, that's what Sertan brought is, is the quarterback would look and go, mm, I'm going to go over here. Yep. <laughs> so he, he didn't have an opportunity to do stuff. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. I goofed this up. So I had to change it last minute. Uh, Cause I, I thought somebody was on a different team and I don't know why. Uh, who was your NFC offensive rookie of the year? Uh, I chose Elijah Mitchell, the running back from San Francisco. He had a thousand all-purpose yards, six touchdowns, and he only played in ten games due to injury. That's that's a pretty good one. I I was going to go with a Monroe State Brown on the Lions. Yeah, but I ended up going with six six tight end Kyle Pitts. He cracked a thousand yards. Um, averaged 15 yards a catch, 68 catches, uh, made the Pro Bowl as a rookie. I just, you know, and, and I was somebody who said from day one that I think this guy is going to be the real deal. And I think on a on a bad Atlanta Falcons team with an aging quarterback, he superseded a lot of that one of the stats showing it. Yeah, he was sure. he was the star of that offense. But I I, I like that a I, I like your pick. I think it's a really good one. And I do think that uh, Amundra St. Brown on such a horrific team had a pretty good year, too, though. Yeah, me too. And I don't think it's – I don't even know if we have to discuss the AFC. The guy broke rookie records, uh, Jamar Chase. My boy, Jamar Chase. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any. And you know what's crazy is we, we kept talking about that draft. Like, do they give Burrow his boy? We're like, no, they need to give him Penny Sewell. They went the chase route and were like, yeah, we like that. Sewell wasn't a sexy pick, but they might have made a mistake. Boy, did they prove everybody wrong with that one. And they did. They absolutely wow, did. Jamar, Jamar Chase is going to be one of the – probably one of the best and, receivers to ever play at the end of the day. Remember how awful his preseason was when everyone's like, told you, you should have took him, he can't catch. Yeah, he couldn't catch. He was dropping everything. Wow, did he figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, defensive Player of the Year. What do you got? Uh, for NFC, yeah, NFC, I chose Mike. I chose Michael Parsons. Hell yeah! I almost did it, but I got scared and didn't do it. Um, I went Aaron Donald. Uh, four, four forced fumbles. Um, he had twelve and a half sacks. Uh, he just he anchored that defense. It did so much. That it, it kind of was that Sertan approach with me, where yeah. you know he he may have had four tackles one game, but he had three assisted. Um, you know, every game except for three or five, twelve of the seventeen games, he had multiple tackles for loss. Every game except for two, he had a quarterback hit. Yeah. I just he's just he's he's a freak of nature, and and I know what's the like I said statistically, he wasn't necessarily there, but his presence was felt so much when he was on that field. I felt his presence through the <laughs> TV. 
Um, this one pains me because I hate the Steelers, but I did go T.J. Watt for Defensive Player of the Year. I just don't think you could go with anyone else. Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't know who else you would take in the AFC. Yeah. Um, offensive Player of the Year. Uh, for the NFC, I uh, I took Cooper Cup. Man had 150 hey. receptions, almost 2,000 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Um. Offensive player of the year. I went Cooper Cup, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> 17 games, 145, 1947 on the yards, 13 and a half a catch. I just didn't think you could choose anyone else. He was incredible. Like, yeah. I, I, had, I had nods where I almost made him my MVP. Yeah, he, and, he, and this is what we said when when they made that Matt Stafford trade, that yeah. that Stafford is going to make these guys even better, and Cooper Cup's perfectly, you know, the proof's in the pudding with how great he was. Yeah, I mean, to all the Stafford haters out there in the world, Matt Stafford has thrown the ball to the two most prolific wide receiver seasons ever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he had a Megatron. Yeah, like it's it's great. Like yeah, people crap on Stafford, but I don't think they realize how valuable he is. That's what scares me about Monday night, man. It's it's Cardinals got to play Stafford, and they got to play Cooper Cup. It's gonna be tough. It's real tough. Buda Baker has got his got his work cut out for him. Who'd you have? DK Metcalf on the field. (laughs) Who'd you have as your AFC offensive player of the year? I win Jonathan Taylor. Okay. He had, he had eighteen hundred yards and almost twenty touchdowns. That's a pretty good, pretty good stat line, if you ask me. Yeah, um, I mean that's averaging over a hundred yards a game. <laughs> um, the guy I went with had eighteen hundred eleven yards, eighteen touchdowns, carried the ball three hundred thirty-two times. Uh, I went to Wisconsin former running back Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like. The AFC ones were like ones where you couldn't really choose anyone else. Yeah, Taylor Watt, Chase, or Tan Burrow. Yeah, yeah I mean. like you, you just couldn't <laughs> go any other way. Uh, wrapping that all up, who was your league MVP? Uh, so I changed it three times. Wow. So, okay. Um. So I'm a, when I think of MVP, I think of the person most valuable to their team. Like, if that person wasn't there, could they still succeed? Uh, mm-hmm. At first, I had Aaron Rodgers. I switched it to Tom Brady. I truly believe the MVP should be Kirk Cousins. That's awesome. I just I think I think if you know when he didn't play in that game with uh, what's in what's his face started that offense couldn't oh, do anything. We scored man. for like the first yeah we scored under twenty points for the first time all season in that game. Um, we couldn't do any the running game wasn't going. Justin Jefferson couldn't get the ball. Adam Thielen and Conklin couldn't get the ball. It's like. Yes, Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers, but in that last game versus the Lions, Jordan Love still put up 21 points against, yeah, the Lions, but it's he put up points. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's – it's you, so the way you went over that award is how I think a lot of, a lot of situations should be. The yeah. only sport that I ever see that kind of does it that way – um, 
you know, I, I, I shouldn't even say that. I'm going to backtrack and not even finish that. You know, it, it always involves winning and things like that. But, look, as two guys who have watched every Vikings game, you know, for the last umpteen hundred years or, or months or whatever you want to say, you're right. When he – he, no, I love that thing. It, it'll, yeah. He'll never get even a vote, but I think – no. When you would you talk about the value of what a player brings to I don't think there's anything wrong with what you said. No. You know, and, well, and and I'm gonna Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it's a prime example of what you brought up when we were talking to uh uh bu- 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 the guy from the Dolphins, I forgot his name. Uh Paul Paul Pickin. <laughs> That's it, Paul, Paul Pickin. I was gonna call him Fred, I don't know why. Fred <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, but like what you said with him, like, you know, Zimmer called all these horseshit plays and he went out and he knew he could get it done and he got it done. I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know another quarterback that would be in that situation that would, that could do that. You know, Aaron Rodgers has control of his offense. Tom Brady. Yes. Bruce Arians is a offensive genius, but you're not, you, you can't convince me that Bruce Arians is like, Tom, just do whatever you think needs to be done. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, same with Patrick Mahomes. You're not you're not going to tell me that Andy Reid calls all the plays and Patrick Mahomes goes okay. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it it was proof this season. I think with the Vikings, you know, in that game against the Lions, that first game, you know, I called you on a it was third and goal from the nine, and we and we and we ran a draw play instead of trying to get the ball <laughs> in the end zone. Like like there there, there was obvious play calls throughout the season that Kirk, Kirk Cousins was not control of that offense, and he didn't have a say. Yeah. No, you're right. I Like I said, I love that. I think that is a fantastic pick. You know, not even a homer pick, but, you know, watching those games, it's true. Yeah. Um, that That kills all thunder I have, and I'm kind of happy because I want Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I mean, I think he'll be the one that wins it just because of who he is and what he does. But I, I don't think he should win. I mean, that, it's kind of I, hard I, not to succeed. <laughs> I just, I don't think that team goes thirteen and four if he's not that quarterback. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like, I don't think Jordan loves Jordan Love leads them to the playoffs by any means. But like it. I think Jordan Loves gets more wins than uh, Minion, whatever Mannion gets. Mannion. Kirk Cousins isn't in the game. You know, I think I think uh, Andy Dalton gets more wins than uh, Mannion gets. I, I, you know, like mm. if, if we're going like backups, Kirk, I think Kirk Cousins was the most valuable quarterback to his team because his backup, if a back, if his backup played. I bet you we would have had zero wins all season. You know, you know what I like too is is your your pick makes me almost say that instead of Rodgers, if I would have went that route, um, I don't think I I think you have to put into consideration Burrow and Herbert too. Oh, for sure. Uh, you can even throw um, Dak in there with uh, Zeke having yep. an off year. I mean, he didn't perform like Zeke normally does like he turned it on towards the end but in the beginning I mean I had him on my fantasy team and after week three I was like someone trade for this man he hasn't ran for more than 40 yards a game Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like you could throw Dak into that contest too Um, but 
yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I think Aaron Rodgers will win. I think it will be Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, but I just, I don't think MVP should be viewed as whoever has the best stats. I think it's whoever's just, if that person wasn't on that team, would that team be able to at least compete? Mm-hmm. If Kirk Cousins wasn't in the games, the Vikings wouldn't have been able to compete. No, we, we, we'd be a 3 forward team. Yeah. And, and, and I'm and saying that with Delvin Cook and Justin Jefferson on our team. Yeah, and and in those games, those are going to be the games where Madison or Cook each like in those games, whichever one started, ran for over a hundred and like twenty yards and a, a touchdown or two. You look at Jefferson, the two years with Cook. I mean, he's he's setting records. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I it's not whoever, a coincidence. Two men do that together. You know, you need one guy to get them the ball. Yeah, I I hope whichever coach they bring in, I hope that he's not afraid to. If we do retain Cousins, which I think they will, I think the I think I I think I read an article the other day that Cousins says he wants to finish his career in Minnesota, um, just like uh, Patrick Peterson said the same thing. He said he wants to play till he can't play, and he wants to only play here. Um, but like I hope they get it done, and I hope they're not afraid. Whoever the new coach is is not afraid to just turn the wheels over to Kirk because he's proven he can do it. He's proven that he can get the ball down the field. He can make the plays. Um, he's proven that, you know, it, we're not a run first team like we've been with AP and then Delvin Cook. We're mm-hmm. we're a run, but we we need we can pass the ball with the weapons we have. I I think you're 100 percent right, and I think. You know, we, we once again we talk about it because we we watch it more. But Kirk Cousins has proven that he can get that ball downfield. He's got a clue to do it, and he can sling it. Give him the rock and let him do what he does. Yep, I totally agree. And to all you haters out there that says he's not a top ten quarterback, this is every year he's played for the Vikings, he's finished in the top ten in every quarterback statistic for the most part. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah. Y'all believe that? You guys are crack. That's why he said this right here. You like that? You like, you like that? that? <laughs> and, hey, and David, look, Luke, Luke just hit you with the David Fisdale. Second time is the best time. Take that for data. Bitch. Let, 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 uh, let LeVar Ball tell you, too. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Luke, it was awesome getting back and doing this. We'll be back next Thursday, 10 o'clock. No idea what we're going to be doing. Probably talking some playoffs. Having some fun, as always. Anything you want to plug or say or drop before we go? Uh, fans, be be on the lookout for a special announcement. Ryan, you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah. That comes in April. Uh, it's not... 100%, but it's about as close as it can be. <laughs> um, yeah! But be on the lookout for that announcement. Me and Ryan are pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. I am ecstatic about it. I'm like, hey, what's up? Hello! <laughs> yeah, that's... We're, we're, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have this have some fun this spring. Uh in, in a little sunny area. <laughs> that being said, we will catch y'all next Thursday. Make sure to hit everything up that you can. We appreciate everyone that came on. Parker Hurley, Travis Wakeman, uh, Jared Barsness, Paul Pickett, Danny Friedman, and the guys. Appreciate everybody coming on. 
We love having the guests. We love banting. We'll get some more probably next week, figure out what we're doing. I'm about to turn on my damn Xbox. I'm about to have some fun before I go to bed. We out. Have a good one, y'all. Peace. Sports Radio.